You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Good evening and welcome to Fight Night. Uh, you are listening to Talk Sport, your home for boxing every single Saturday night with me, Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis. All week we have been on location. It is Vasyl Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell at the O2 Arena this evening. Uh, and we have been getting stuck into all our media obligations throughout the course of the week. Sticking microphones in people's faces and have a little bit of a chat with every man and his dog connected to this fight. Loma, you're going to hear from him. You're going to hear from Eddie Hearn. Uh, you're going to hear from various others as well in and around uh, the fight, including the likes of Andre Ward. All coming up on the show uh, very, very shortly. Gareth, this is one of those weeks, as a British fight fan, you can't help but get excited because I think all of us as fight fans know how good this guy is. We're kind of concluding that this will be the only time that we see him on British soil fighting professionally. Um, so they'll be coming out in force uh, to cheer him at the O2 Arena. As we've seen during fight week, I've never seen a, an away fighter get such a reception at uh, an open workout this week. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, well, we may if Luke Campbell wins, of course. So we mustn't rule him out. But we'll go through all of that through the show and the, the ins and outs and the chances of Slim and none and Slim just left town and all those kind of things that we're used to hearing in boxing or we did at one time from the likes of Don King. Um, to put it in context, we've got, I think, and I think he's widely regarded the Ukrainian Vasyl Lomachenko as the pound for pound number one in the world in the country right now, fighting tonight against Luke Campbell. They're both Olympic gold medalists from London 2012, which gives it that extra zing. Uh, Lomachenko's fighting physically two weight divisions above his natural weight and there's weight divisions for a reason as we say Mm -hmm. so that's what makes him special he's a man with an incredible amateur record 400 fights one loss he's an acrobat he's a juggler he's an athlete he's a fighter 
he works you out and he hurts you and he stops you. That's what he's about. But it's all done with a nice smile and an apology afterwards. If you put in context how good he is, this is the visit, as you rightly say, of a guy that inhabits the same sphere technically as a boxer as Muhammad Ali did when he came here in 63 and 66 to fight Henry Cooper, as Errol Spence and uh, Terence Crawford we've seen fight in this country, as a list of the greats, Marvin Hagler, he inhabits that entire Alexander Usyk last year against yeah. Tony Bellew. There is a long line of great fighters that have come here, and he belongs in the very, very highest level of all those fighters. Talk about his achievements so far in the professional ranks. You mentioned his amateur pedigree there, 396 wins, one loss. He went back and uh, avenged that loss on a couple of occasions. But for a man that has only had early teens when it comes to fights, I think this is his 14th professional bout uh, this evening, for him to be a three-weight world champion, for him to have the equal uh, record when it comes to the amount of professional fights that you have before you come a world champion, that being three. He could have done it in his second fight, but he ended up getting a split decision loss against Orlando Salido. Those type of achievements are once-in-a-generation type of achievements, aren't they? To have 14 fights and to be a three-weight world champion already, as you mentioned. He is fighting above his weight category, but he's already a world champion. He's the unified champion going into this fight tonight. I know the other, there's another belt on the line, uh, the WBC belt, uh, to make it a, a three-way uh, unification this evening. But those type of achievements are absolutely crazy. Well, they're very unusual. And, you know, in, in our time, in, in our lifetimes in boxing, you know, we've seen some amazing, you know, events. If we count... Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and Joe Foreman and Larry Holmes in the heavyweight division being in that era and Mike Tyson, these people with a massive impact on the sports world and, and societally even in an even bigger way. Um, no one really has been able to match what he's done in terms of his achievements. You can argue that it's easier to win a world title today. You can argue that he's with the octogenarian promoter, Bob Arum, who's a past master of creating the right opportunities for the right people at the right time. He's been doing it nearly 60 years. Mm -hmm. And, of course, jumped on being Muhammad Ali's promoter a long time ago and took Manny Pacquiao through eight weight divisions as a world champion. Those are the kind of staggering things that, that I think Lomachenko bears comparison to. I think the reason why he's been so successful is that the relationship he has with his father, um, I did an interview with him earlier in the week, and he was saying that they, they are father and son, they don't have agreements all the time, but they have such an understanding they gel so well. They know how to segment the different relationships, a father, son, mm. trainer, mentor. And they, what's happened over time? He, he described himself, he said, he, he took a Japanese expression when I did an interview with him, um, and it was in the Telegraph on Friday, and it was an interview about in which he said, my dad, I'm like a bonsai tree. My dad grew me from small, and he just made me grow and grow and grow. And I think his amateur pedigree the dedication to the task, the fact he's from Odessa and there was nothing going on there. He grew up at the end of Soviet Russia mm. where people were still made of steel, like from where you're from. <laughs> no, a couple of generations ago, these were people that played, that, that were in coal mines, steel works, and then play rugby on a Wednesday afternoon and on a Wednesday night and trained four days a week and played rugby, played football. People, it's an old school. He's come from the old school, but he's very much the new school. And he said that as well about how He's got his dad tattooed. He said, my dad doesn't believe in tattoos, but 
I'm the I'm the new school. He's the old school. But I wanted the old school tattooed on me mm. as respect to my dad. The longevity of his amateur career, the two Olympic gold medals, three weight divisions apart again. You know, so because he went up two divisions to win in London at yep. lightweight, having won in Beijing as well. The the distress he felt at losing to Simakov, I think it was. Mm. The only, he only lost as an amateur. Went back and beat him twice. He now. went back and beat him twice. <laughs> never wants to lose again. Um, he's had a long career already at the age of 31. I don't think we'll see him around a very long time. I know we're going to talk about the other dangerous lightweights in the division as the night goes on. But, well, you know. You're right in saying that because what is there left for him to achieve? Once he. If he comes through the fight against Luke Campbell, he's got three of the belts. You would then think that they would move him on for a, a Comet or a Lopez fight because those yeah. two are fighting each other for the IBF belt. So then that would be a unification to become undisputed lightweight champion. Then what else is there for him to achieve? Does he go back down in weight? Does he go up again in weight? Does he, does he have some crazy fight with, uh, with a moneymaker? Who knows, man? Look, you and I have both stood with him. We've met him man- many times now. He is... Um He's a, he is a big man in many ways when you meet him because he's got he's that got a big, st- he's got a good big he's got that infectious personality. I know there's oh, a language barrier. He's got a stillness got about him. He's got an aura. There's no question about it. He, he he he's so focused. He doesn't speak good English. He's really trying it. Every time I see him, I say you've got to speak English because you're so much fun and people endear them. You endear yourself to people. Um, look, he's five foot five, five foot six. He's at his optimum weight for fighting at 135 pounds, which is the which is the lightweight limit. Um, he, I think, is going to struggle to go much further. You mentioned Richard Comey from this place in in, in Ghana, um, Jamestown, where, which has produced Ike Quarty, Azuma Nelson, Joshua Clotty, loads of really brilliant African fighters, and we don't know how good Comey's going to be yet. He's going to fight this Mexican terror, one of your um, favourites at the moment, Teofimo Lopez, soon. Lopez has the style I'd like to see Loma in against. A very aggressive, very powerful lightweight, probably too big at the weight. He'll be going up to what we call light welterweight or super lightweight Mm. soon, another five pounds higher. Those two fights, I'd like to see him fight Comey and Teofimo at some point, Lopez, both of them. The great thing is they're both under the promotional banner of Bob Arum. So we know there's fights there for Loma. That will happen. For another year, exactly. Both those fights. But I, after that, I think, even though a lot of people don't agree with me, I think a legacy fight with the likes of Manny Pacquiao at 140 pounds or someone like that, just to rubber stamp the end of his career. If he can win three or four more fights, I think he's done. I really do. I think by the age of, you know, I mean, what is he? He's 31. 31, he's 31 now. But he so you're is, talking 33 so or he's, time. He's, 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 he's 32 in February next year. Okay. 33, so 34 then. 33, 34. It, it would not surprise me. He so listens to his father. His father doesn't want him to fight Pacquiao, by the way. I did ask him in the course of the week, why not Pacquiao? And he said, what weight though? Because Pacquiao is now 147 pounds, mm. which is what we call welterweight, of course. That... I would like Vasil Lomachenko maybe to get to 20 fights. That would be the ideal for me and, and go. He's had his defeat as a pro, um, so he's experienced that pain and that grieving. But he's an extraordinary talent. 
Um, and we've just got to make the most of him while he's around right now. I don't think we're going to see a, a second phase and a third phase of his career. And he's going, going to go on to 35 fights and have four losses at the end. I don't think he's designed that way because he was all about winning the Olympic gold at the beginning. That was his dream. Mm. And he did it twice. And now, obviously, he has an opportunity to uh, unify this lightweight division even further tonight against Luke Campbell. We've spent the first 10 minutes of the show speaking about one man. There is another guy uh, <laughs> in this fight tonight who is an Olympic gold medalist. And you've kind of got to feel a little bit for Luke because he's the home fighter. He's on home soil. He's got an opportunity to become a unified lightweight champion this evening. But the bandwagon has all been Lomachenko this week. Do you think that might get his back up a little bit and we might get to see a different type of Luke Campbell coming into the fight? Well, you and I know we've spoken to Eddie Hearn already tonight and we're going to hear from him later, as you say. And, you know, um, Eddie's very confident that Luke Campbell is really in the mood. And I felt that this week. He's hard to interview when he's like this, mm. you know. Um, he's, he's, he's That's good to see. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. He's reticent. He's... He's, he, he, can, he almost doesn't like doing the interviews because he doesn't want to give away what's in his head. I think he's very open and honest about... He lets, he lets his fears and worries come in. He's open about that. When, you, when you're with him on your own, you're not doing media interviews and it's off the record. He's fascinating. He lets his fears and his worries come in. He said, I always have nerves. I let my fears and my worries come in and then I let them go out again. They come in and they come out. And he said, we're all going through that. And I love to hear that from him. Um, I think he's been a bit tetchy this week, a bit tense. But I, I really do think that Lomachenko may get the very, very best out of Luke Campbell. He's got the physical advantages. Mm. That's the great thing. He's a much taller man. He's four to five inches taller, a much longer reach. And the reach is the problem. And that's the problem that Lomachenko, the Matrix, has to find the algorithm for in this fight. Uh, well, on last week's show, we did hear from uh, Luke Campbell. Um, I think it's only fair that we hear from Lomachenko because we have been sticking microphones in his face uh, this week. And he's going to be on the show next. You're listening to TalkSport. Listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. This week's show, a little bit different as we build up towards Vasil Lomachenko taking on Luke Campbell to unify the lightweight division. Those ring walks are moments away at the O2 Arena. And this week, myself and Gareth have been in the presence of both Luke and Vasil as they build up towards this big fight. Now, on last week's show, you heard from Luke Campbell as he was preparing to take on what many consider the pound-for-pound best fighter on the planet. But what about the main man himself? He's back in London after obviously picking up an Olympic gold medal back in 2012. This week, we went to the York Hall for the Open Workout. And just before he took centre stage, I caught up with him in the back of his people carrier for a little bit of an interview. Look who's back in town. Thank you. <laughs> Are you feeling you good? Good, I'm great, yeah. Listen, I need to um, throw a compliment your way, all right? Because we spoke to each other... This time last year, we did an interview, and I was very impressed with your English. Now, I know Igis is here, who interprets a lot, 
But I've been watching a lot of interviews recently, and your English has gone through the roof. What, uh, how, 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 well, tell me how you're doing it. What are you doing? Watching a lot of English programs? What are you doing? No, no, I, I didn't learn English because I didn't have a time. You know, it just from I take I take English from uh, interview. Seriously? Yeah. So no yeah. British TV programs or anything yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah? correct. Yeah. What's your British TV programs like? Only Fools and Horses? No, I, no, <laughs> I, I didn't see. I didn't see. I want to teach you some more English. Is that okay? Yeah. Because where because where I come from, I come from the north of England. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different. Uh, yeah, oh, okay, all right. So when, um, for example, when you meet people here in the UK, you say hello, you say hi, and various mm-hmm. things like that. But what I say, arit. Arit? Arit. So when, when you meet people in there, you're obviously going back into the your call in a moment or two. I want you to say, arit. Arit. Yeah? Arit. <laughs> That's right. That we're okay. up and running here now. Now, obviously, we're experiencing some nice weather here in the UK at this moment in time. Now, you would obviously say it's a beautiful day, it's a nice day, or it's whatever. It's, uh, I, I bring from a desert this weather. You bring from the desert, right? Yeah, okay. Right. Desert, but, yeah. but where I come from, we say it's cracking flags. Cracking flags. That's it. So if anybody says, oh, it's a bit warm today, you say, cracking flags. Now we're talking. See, this is Northern English. Now, Lomachenko's becoming a Northerner. I like it. Um, finally, obviously, in bet- this is what I want to see at the weekend, right? When you're fighting, in between rounds, obviously your trainers give you a drink and what have you, mm-hmm. okay? So mm-hmm. you would say, I'm thirsty. Uh, yeah. I don't want you to say that no more, okay? I want you to say, I'm spitting feathers. I'm spitting feathers? That's it. It means I'm thirsty, so where I come from, okay? Yeah. So let's say the round's finished, you've sat down. Do you want a drink? I'm spitting... Feathers. Feathers? <laughs> See? <laughs> See? This is it. Now he's a, a bona fide northerner. Talk to me about this venue, because you've been here before. You, uh, the World Series of Boxing, you fought Sam Maxwell in here. In this, in it's, this Yeah, in this wow. place, man. This wow. is the York. I don't know about it. Yeah. Wow, in, cool. In the York Hall, you, uh, you like came your here. like your place, like your place for me. <laughs> yeah. See, they thought about you, see? They wanted to make you feel at home. You've obviously, uh, you fought here against Sam Maxwell. What, can, you remember the, can you remember that particular night when you fought here last time? Yes, I remember. I remember a lot of Ukrainian flags, a lot of Ukrainian fans. And uh, I remember Samuel Maxwell and atmosphere. It was like being in Ukraine that night. A lot of people came out there. Eh? Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. You've obviously got a massive affinity and affection for London because not only have you fought here in the World Series of Boxing, your second gold medal came here, man, yeah? John Skadal. Yeah, yeah, I, I won my second Olympic Games uh, in London, but not in this place. Not in this place, in yeah, no, in the XL back in uh, near the South Bank and what have you. Have you managed to, obviously this week, go to places that you visited when you're here for the Olympic Games or not? No, no, I don't have a time, no. You know, I, today, today I train uh, first time, then I come to London because first two days I don't have a time Lara interview yeah. Lara meeting and uh, and you've been learning to play golf I like it I like <laughs> it it's very interesting I think before it's very easy but uh, then I try it it's not easy it's well, really not easy well I've seen you do this I've seen you do gymnastics I've seen you play football now golf is is this maybe when you finish boxing are you going to go and maybe do a professional career in golf no 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 I, my i love my hobby my hobby is the fishing hunting and i love drifting and drifting car so i i have enough hobby i, I noticed that uh you're back fishing because you had a little pe- period of time where you stopped yeah? yeah and then what was it 2009 2010 you decided yeah, to uh, 2010 I, I come back 
yeah, I, I start start fishing again. But you take it seriously. You do proper professional. Yes, I like, I like, uh, and I start serious. Uh, and uh, two months two months ago, I fishing with uh, one guy from Ukraine Ukrainian team, professional team, uh, and he teach me, explain me what I need to do, what I, how can I uh, do to prepare for fishing, and it was uh, very interesting, and uh, I learn very a lot. What's the biggest fish you've caught? Uh, my biggest fish it was for 14 kilos. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, 14, правильно? 14. Один четыре. Нет, семнадцать тем. Один четыре. Fourteen. Fourteen. Serious? Four. Yeah, 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 yeah. You put it back? Yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. Wow, man. Fourteen kilo fish. Yeah. Talk to, let's talk boxing. Because obviously the preparation for this. Firstly, how's the injuries? Because you damage your hand against crawler, you damage uh, your shoulder against Linares. How yes, are you? Uh, I'm healthy, hundred percent, and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll yeah. at the weekend. Going into this fight at the weekend, you've obviously seen your friend Alexander mm-hmm. fight here in the UK. The atmosphere is something special. I saw you obviously at Anthony Joshua's Wembley fight. I remember you looking round and thinking, "Yeah, I want a piece of this." <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. It, no, it's. Uh, uh, 80,000 people, 80,000 boxing fans, it's unbelievable. It's, I, like I said, uh, British fans, it's a special fans because they understand boxing and uh, I respect it. Does, does it surprise you how much love there is for you here in the UK? Be- yeah, of course I'm surprised, of course I'm surprised uh, because uh, uh, in the United States, not the same situation. That's why I'm surprised. And with fighting, obviously, on this time zone, has it been nice to be able to train back in the Ukraine rather than over in uh, California? <laughs> this camp training in the Ukraine rather than over in America, has it, has it been nice to be back home training? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It's more comfortable for me because uh, it's my native town, it was my native language, it was my native... Uh, uh, atmosphere and of course for me it's more comfortable two more questions obviously at the weekend what strengths do you see in uh, in Luke Campbell I think it will be a chess match he is a smart boxer he has a very boxing high IQ and it, it will be a very technical fight now obviously you believe you will win and then after that hopefully we get an opportunity to unify and go for an undisputed championship against either a Teofimo Lopez or a, a Richard Comey mm-hmm. If you manage that, then what for Vasil Lomachenko? Do you, do you stay at this weight? Do you go down? Do you go up? What do you do? I don't know, but uh, I think I go down 130 because 130 it's more comfortable for me. It's it, it, it's my weight, weight class. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear Javonta Davis. That's what yes. I want to hear. Yes, absolutely. Tell him. Javonta, we're coming. Hey, Javonta, I come back 130. Wait for me. Do you want a drink? No. No, thank you. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm spitting feathers. I that's what we were. Ta- yeah, that's what we were yeah, talking yeah. before, man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a boxer. I don't, okay. I don't, I don't remember the, how how it's in uh, North English. <laughs> Three weight world champion Vasily Lomachenko. Vasily, welcome. We know that uh, having boxed all over the world as an amateur to fight in the UK as a professional was always very important to you. I don't want to talk too much. See you in August 31st, okay? Vasily Hightech Lomachenko! Let's go!
Anyone that goes up against Lemachenko is going to be an underdog. You know, that's, that goes without saying. And that doesn't really bother me. I'm here now and I'm feeling great. I'm positive, physically, mentally, the best I've ever been. And this is my time now. This is Fight Night on Talk Sports. I'm Adam Castro uh, this week, dedicated to Vasil Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell. Those guys about to take to the ring at the O2 Arena uh, for the unification of the lightweight division. One man that has previously been in the ring with Vasil Lomachenko is Anthony Kroller. So why not ask him questions about his own preparations for that monumental fight earlier this year, where he went wrong and where Luke Campbell can go right. Uh, all right, Mr Anthony Kroller. You're obviously on the TV all this week, and I'm sure you've been asked a million questions. How do you beat a man like Vasil Lomachenko? I say I'm not sure I'm the man to ask, but um, listen, I'm like anyone else. I mean, I know we had the Salido fight where he did lose, but I mean, I think there's a little bit of help bending the rules and a bit extra. But um, he's possibly the hardest man to beat on the planet, isn't he? You know, sort of pound for pound. Number one or two for sure. Talk to me about watching him on tape compared to being in the ring room. Totally different. Very, very different. Very different. I watched a lot of the Pedraza fight, and I thought Pedraza done very well. I say this all the time. Pedraza, for some reason, is remembered most for the Gavante Davis fight, yeah. where I think he was a bit weak at the weight. He's a class fighter, class fighter, Olympian, few-time world champion. He had success, not to the point where you ever thought there was going to be an upset, but he had success. Um, and I thought, oh, see what he done, try and capitalise that on that. He, try, he, he tried to mimic a lot, didn't he? Yes, yeah. In and those early rounds. I wouldn't say I was trying to mimic, but I thought I'll keep distance and then I'll try and get Lomachenko to overcommit a bit. And then I'll look to sort of stand there with him, yeah, yeah. even exchange a little bit with him. Um, but it certainly didn't go like that. It was um, going, getting in there with him. He's constantly got you under pressure. And I remember the Tony Bell Usyk fight and a bit of a comparison because. You think he's almost like a cruiserweight at the time, um, Lomachenko. And I remember Tony Bellio trained so hard in the shape of his life for that fight. I think mean, he remembers saying it, it actually, it ties, they constantly got you under pressure. Thinking makes you tired. Thinking makes you tired. And that's what you're doing there. You're constantly thinking, feeling under pressure. And um, Is it one of those where the way that they're moving the ring, they might not be throwing a lot, but the way they're moving in the ring, you're constantly trying to so second well guess everything. And you're trying to sort of go with them a little bit and it's, it's so so tough I, 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 I'm blue in the face from saying this so often about Lomachenko and Usyk and Spence and Crawford's yeah. counter punching aggressive southpaws yes 
and, and that's the difficulty, isn't it? Surely, you know, because yeah. you've yes. experienced it, yes. and it was horrible. It was horrible for yes. you because you wanted to go out on your shield of at course, the end, of course, and, 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 was, and you couldn't get there. So I thought, yeah, that was it. I couldn't even yeah. go out on my shield, like yes. you just said. There. Yeah. I felt like, right, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out giving absolutely everything. Caught me up top, the shot you don't see coming. The shot you don't see coming is always one that puts you over, and that's what happened with me. How does Luke approach this at the weekend? Because he is a, a southpaw himself, yes. isn't he? Southpaw, uh, bigger height, reach advantage than what I had. One of our great amateurs that we've produced. But you just, it's one of them, I believe he's got to keep it out of range. I mean, a lot of people say, but I think he's got to keep it long. Mm. He's got to keep it long, try and establish that jab, and he's got to drive that backhand home. And he's got to look to be landing that early. That's my opinion. Um, I think, you know, you, you try and... There's very few people who can outbox, if anyone, who can outbox Mr. Lomachenko. So, but Luke's got all the amateur credentials, or as good of a chance as almost anyone out there in the lightweight division of doing that. Does he have to, from Luke's point of view now, does he have to do something that Lomachenko hasn't seen him do before? In the way that I'm, maybe be a bit more aggressive or start possibly, fast? Possibly shocking. Yeah, I think he's certainly got to start fast. I don't believe you can let Lomachenko get into any kind of groove like I did. I think you've got to look to offset him a little bit, which is much tougher. You know, it's a lot harder to be done than it's said. Um, I just believe that, that Luke, yeah, he's got to look to try and establish that jab of his own, keep it long, drive that backhand down the middle. Has Luke consulted you at all in the lead no. up to this? No, not at all. I'm being honest, it would be, you know, I'm just being honest there. Your rivals it, it, anyway. Well, no, not even that, it would just be very, It'd be pointless because me and Luke are, are total opposites and there's nothing that I can really see what what i done, what he would do. Um, Shane's got a great coach. So I think, you know, he'll, he'll put trust in Shane. He has done. He said, he mentioned something about he's never watched, he's not watched one of his fights for this camp, sorry. So, no, I think that he's That can't be sensible, way. can it? I'd, you know? I mean, listen, I, I don't agree with it, but it's whatever, whatever the fighter feels comfortable with. Yeah. Whatever the fight feels comfortable with, I go with and if Luke puts full trust in Shane, I mean everyone puts full trust in the trainer almost, but puts full trust in Shane then he will, do you know that's how he's going to go in there, confident, believing, that's what he's going to do. You know what worries me, I, when, when uh, Campbell and Lomachenko had their press conference, Anthony, a few weeks ago in yes. London, uh, Alexander Usyk was there on the yes. day as well. And I remember chatting to Usyk and he said, I did six rounds sparring with that little beggar <laughs> and he said <laughs> and he cracked me really hard in the ribs and he yeah, really hurt me that's a 200 pound fighter remember yes. and he was about 210 at the time yes and he said he went after him then yeah. and then and, and Usyk um, also reckons that he could that Loma could go with a heavyweight and then I spoke to Loma with Dave Lorca a little while back yeah. and Loma said he reckons he could do about six rounds with Wilder before Wilder got to him. He's mad, <laughs> isn't he? He's mad. It, He's he, mad. He might be able to. <laughs> he might be able to, honestly. He's, you mentioned it there, you, you sit to the body. I remember being in there with him, and that was one thing that surprised me, actually, was the power that he had. He hit a lot harder than he expected. I just, Listen, Rigondo felt it, Walters yes. felt it. These are the, yes. some of the toughest guys you've ever seen. And, and um, he's got freakish power. Yeah, he is. Because the timing, the precision, the accuracy, the acuity, very where well. he's touching yes. you, it's all of that, isn't yes. it? You know? Yes, all, all of them. And what he'll like to do, he'll, he'll touch, touch hard, hard, touch hard. 
will vary it. Will vary the power as well. So Listen, it's very hard to get used to that, you know, to anticipate. When there's 150 50 crawler bakery and coffee shops around the world, the global enterprise, yes. and you're sitting there with the great grandchildren, you'll go, you know that bloke they all talk about? Yes. I fought him in Los I Angeles. I hope so, mate. I hope so. Well, just quickly, before you call time on this wonderful boxing career and move into the coffee shop business. <laughs> I'm always pushing it, that's well, all. Well, I'm last, <laughs> last time we spoke, you confirmed that there will definitely be one last dance. Yes, there's going to be one last and dance. And since that, yes. Tommy Coyle's been a little bit vocal. Do you, know Do you fancy it or what? Yeah, honestly, genuinely, I knew nothing about it. I, I like Tommy, a lot of respect for him, nice guy. But I genuinely know nothing about, no fights been talked about, only what Tommy's put on. on Twitter, but I was away. He put some, I was away. And then um, he put some of it later on and I was away again. So uh, I'm not really even, but I've, I've, I think in November, um, I'm open to fight. Yeah. Not Campbell what, then? No, Luke's going to be out tomorrow night, but I, I genuinely have <laughs> no Campbell, idea. Not Campbell, if Campbell gets three of the world title belts. Mate, well, that could be tempting. But no, I, I'm sure Mr. Hearn but, might uh, be able to step in there. <laughs> we know how popular you are. Yes. Maybe that's the fighting well, Manchester at the stadium. You know? Never say never, but you know, you, know, you mentioned then, I'm not, uh, not the old Trafford. It's yeah, old exactly, Trafford. that's what I mean. Yes. It's, um, I this thought, is the final yes. chapter. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, one, like say, one last answer, whoever it would be. I'm not sure you mentioned, like say you mentioned something then, I've, I've genuinely not spoke about opponents with anyone. I've just been enjoying ticking over being back in the gym. What have you got a date then? You said November then? November, no, not a date, but November. Um, I'm not sure of a date just yet, but it'll be early November though. Save your Christmas money. Crawler's coming it. back for one Don't last dance. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> Fight night, we're on the little bit of location this week. It's Lomachenko Campbell Fight Week. Uh, we're, uh, well, it's one of the fighters' hotels. This is where uh, they're hosting the majority of uh, the press conferences throughout the course of the day. Um, and one young lady that very kindly has come to join us on the show is Savannah Marshall. First of all, how are you? You well? Yeah, I'm really, really well. I'm, I'm fit, I'm on weight, I'm ready to rock and roll. That's what we like to hear. Ready to rock and roll. That's the thing that we want to talk about rocking and rolling because. Obviously, since you uh, shot to a lot of people's uh, attention in the Olympics, it's been a little bit stop-start. Is that is that fair to assess the professional career that it's just not kicked on as, as quickly as probably you would have an originally anticipated? Yeah, definitely. If it, um, I made my debut a couple of days ago, two years ago, and I've had six professional fights. And if it was up to me, I'd have boxed every month. If it was up to me, I could, I'd have been in double figures by now, but... Just the way the, the game works. Why does it work like that? I'm not sure. From what I've learned, it's the pro game is is a dirty game. Uh, there's been a lot of broken promises. Um, do you know the the is genuine people out there. I'm not saying that it's everyone's sly or whatever, but it's, it's just a business, isn't it? And it's just all about making money and. 
It's always been about, it's lovely to have you on the show, Sav. I mean, it's always been about smoke and mirrors. I mean, we've known each other for nearly a decade now, and, you know... Um, that's, that's dating you now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Knowing, yeah, knowing yeah. him a decade. Exactly, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, as you say up north, she were only 15 then. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... Actually uh, was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, probably something yeah. like that, yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, the, you had such ambition in the London Olympics. You stayed in two Olympic cycles. Everyone always talked about how talented you were. Um, I think you. I think going into London, I think you were number one in the world anyway, weren't you? Yeah, I was. You know? I was the favourite. Yeah. Gold medal had my name written on it. Yeah. I was the number one seed. I got a buy, only had to win one fight to get a bronze, and spotted it, didn't I? But you were still that <clears throat> incredibly diffident, and I mean by that shy girl who'd walked into a gym, the only girl in the gym at the age of 11 in Hartlepool, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know... You're a big, mature woman now, 28, um, and you really want the career to push on. You've had stints under Floyd Mayweather in America. You're being trained by Peter Fury. You're now with the Matchroom. So you're on a big Matchroom card at the O2 Arena. You've got DAZN in the USA, obviously linked up with Hearn. It seems to me, and we've seen it with Nicola Adams, that women's boxing... I know you're only 6-0 and after two years, and you wanted to be 16-0, and but it seems to me that the place to get is America to f- have the big women's fights at the moment? Yeah, definitely. Do you know, it's, it's all going on in, in America. Um, do you know, Katie's, tri- Katie's broke onto the American scene now and look what it's done for her. Yeah, Katie Taylor's got a big following over there. I mean, mm. I, what, she had five or six fights over there. Now, Eddie Hearn is taking her through Boston, New York, all these different places. Um, she's a very tough fight last time out. Did you have her winning that? I, I did, you know. I thought she, she'd done it. I thought she'd done enough. In, in in the earlier rounds, but uh, Pursum showed a lot of flaws. What Katie had. Yeah. One of the things that we want to see, um, obviously, Clarissa Shields took the gold medal in the London 2012 Games. One of the things we want to see, and you've spoken about it many times, and she's become a bit of a star in America. Mm. She's become the number one middleweight. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're six foot tall. You're a middleweight fighter. I hasten to add. That's the big kind of Hagler Hearns fight that you want, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, everyone always talks about it, and we've got every reason to. Cl- Clarissa's the undisputed middleweight champion, and in her own right, she's a, she's a brilliant boxer, um, and she's where I want to be. She's in my way, so I've got no doubt in my mind that fight will happen. But when she fought Christina Hamer recently, did you not? watch that fight thinking mm, Hamer's not at my level even though Hamer has been a good champion um, you, you guys, you're the new generation you and Clarissa you fight in a different way um, you're faster, you're fast twitch fibre, did you not think I'd have, I'd have had a better fight than with, with Clarissa Shields and Hamer would have had to be honest uh, I think Christina just wasn't on it on the night, I, I, I think she really underperformed uh, no disrespect to where goodness knows what what was going on or whatever, but that performance didn't reflect what type of fighter is fighter she is. And I think if the the fight again, I think it'd be, I think the result would be the same, but the fight would be totally different. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the conversations like at this moment in time for you? Because as Gareth pointed out, you were with Mayweather, you've been with various different promoters and what have you. Is is the conversations now a little bit more positive? Where they want to get you active. They want to get you out and about because there's an awful lot of cards that you could actually get on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so going forward, I, I wanted to move over to Matchroom because of the dates and because of the cards I've got. 
uh, they have a show nearly every week. Um, whereas oh, I have boxed on Channel 5 previous, it was like you, you had a fight and then you're waiting months and months for a date. And Even though the numbers were good when you did fight. I mean, they, uh, you know, yeah. they get 750 to a million viewers, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's the regularity, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know? It's my career. Like, I do this full time. You don't fight, you don't get paid. Do you know what I mean? So, and I, I'm 28 now, and I'm at that point where I want a family, and you know, I want to. I've boxed since I was 11 year old, so I want other things out of life. So I don't want to be waiting around for another five years, thinking, oh, is it going to happen? Am I going to get out next month? Am I going to get have another four fights to share? So the reason the move for the match room was I want I need to be active and I want to be active. Do you know what? I'm feeling your hands moving. I'm feeling an Eminem rap song coming on with all those lines just there. Let's do with it. Your hands. Yeah, no, I'm but no, but I'm feeling it coming out, you know. But mm-hmm. it is time to move. I mean, it's really weird thing. I mean, it, not just with with women, but with men. We we watch people. You know, we grow old and we watch people come from a really young age and grow up. And mm-hmm. I and I really do. I really felt today, you know, when we were talking before we, we broadcast, I thought, we were chatting and I walked away from you and I thought, oh, Sav, Sav's really grown up. Like, no, no, really, like, yeah, yeah. you know, you really are a woman now. Do you know what I mean? You really are ready. Yeah, ready for yeah. those it's final like, challenges. Like, you know, Do you know what I mean? I mean that respectfully. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You've known her since she was 15 years of age and most 15 year, year old girls, boys even as well, they're still finding themselves, aren't they? They're still trying to discover who they are as human beings, and you you were thrust into the limelight at a very young age. Mm, exactly, and mm. you know, when I was younger, going through the Olympics, all I wanted to do was fight. I didn't want to have a camera in my face. I didn't want hundreds yeah. of people fight, uh, watching, millions of yeah. people watching. Guys with flowery shirts coming into the gym. <laughs> Gareth torturing me. <laughs> I, ju- I just wanted to fight. Mm. And then I think it can't, I can't I'll come out with show when I moved to America with Mayweather yeah. and I was there on my own yeah. and the only time I'd see people was when I went to the shop I went, I went to the gym this is in Vegas yeah yeah in Vegas so I used to be sit, sat in the apartment on my own craving like someone to talk to wow so that's what brought me out with show because I used to go to the shop and be like morning do you know because I was like sat, sat on my own in an apartment so that's what I think that's did you grow a lot when you were training in that gym and uh, you know it's a kind of it's a it's a sweatshop, isn't it? And it's a very mm-hmm. tough environment. And you know, it's always, you know, you've got to watch yourself in yeah, there. It's yeah. very open. You're allowed in there whenever you want. But there's lots of looks out of corners of the eye yeah, in there and stuff, isn't there? You know. Yeah, I was a. I went over there, female on my own. Yeah. I think there was a couple of females in the gym, but I wasn't. I'm not American. Um, and if you've been in the gym yourself, you have to fight for a bag. You know, so I could be working away on a bag, and someone will just come over and be like, move. Yeah, I'm on yeah. this now. So I got the point where I'd be like, no, it's my bag. Yeah. Go away. Yeah, did you spar with any men when you were over there or not? Yeah, I did. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't no middleweight women there. And I, to be honest, I prefer to spar with men anyway. Um, so yeah, I had a really good sparring. Where were you living in Las Vegas at the time then? I was living in uh, Henderson, not too okay. far, not too far away. So in the suburbs. Um, did yeah, you go yeah. into the city much? Did you, did you, did you experience Sin City? He's basically saying, did you get distracted? So yeah. Like, no, no. But did, yeah. Did, did, what was your view? I mean, did you? She's grinning. For those you know, listening to this, she's grinning. Yeah. No. But it's what I want to. What I want to know is, did you get a taste for the place? Did it? Did it mm. kind of imbue you with? Do you know what? I want my name up here in lights one day. I want to mm. see my name. Twenty. Remember when Mayweather had his face, yeah. 25 yeah. stories of the MGM yeah, Grand in yeah. green. Did you think, nah, I want this one day. I want this Clarissa Shields fight here. I want to feel history, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, do you know what? I absolutely loved it there. It was the best, probably the best time of my life. I knew you were made for I Cincy. I loved it. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. 
first time I'd ever been in a casino on the, on the slot machines on the tables. I loved it. Um, obviously, it didn't work out with me whether or not I'd come home, but it, it was just an amazing time in my life. But once you've been and tasted it, you most certainly want to go back. And hopefully now, working with Matchroom and Matchroom USA, there might be an opportunity for that to happen because with all due respect to those champions, you just mentioned closely, you mentioned, we mentioned Katie earlier on, they're going to need fights. They need talented fights as well because they're at a level now where you can't just be having knockover fights. They need to be having someone with serious pedigree. Here's a suggestion, right? Is there a way where we get Katie Taylor, yourself, Claressa Shields, Nicola Adams, we get all the best women fighters in the world on one major card in Las Vegas one night. I think it's coming. Uh, you know, the hashtag Me Too movement, the, 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 the women's World Cups in football and cricket in we, this country, well, there's a growth. Well, we had progression there? recently, didn't we? Where, was it uh, Clarissa that was headlining the HBO card, one of the HBO cards? Yeah, the first it was time the first time, had, yeah. You know, and, but, but also women's MMA as well in UFC and Bellator. And there, there's definitely a love and respect for the yeah. female fighter. You can be, you know, you've got your hair in cornrows, you've got makeup on today, you know, you're an attractive woman, you know. Um, you can be that, but be a fighter and be tough, and it's totally accepted today, and have muscles, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, but, no, but, yeah. it's all, but it's kind of admired now, you know, mm -hmm, by yes. other women and by men, and that's where the world's changed in the time you've come through as well. Yeah, it really has, it really has. Um, when do you ever see a card that hasn't got a female on now? Yeah, so it's definitely moving in the right direction. Vegas, that's what we want next, isn't it? We could do another trip to Vegas, couldn't we? Yeah, no problem at all. <laughs> yeah, and we can get Savannah to show us around. Even though I've been there a hundred times, I now know there are places that I can get shown around by Savannah. Right. I cannot wait. Just a quick one on the weekend. <laughs> Actually, it come up on my memories today on Facebook. This time, two years ago... Rod Stewart in Caesar's Palace. Whoa, yeah. nice, nice. <laughs> Go on, the old crooner himself. <laughs> Were you singing along? The Silver Fox, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, on this at the weekend, Lomachenko's in town. There's a lot of eyes, a lot of boxing eyes on, uh, on this car at the weekend. Everybody knows how good he is. From your point of view, you must be thinking to yourself, hang on a minute, I want to steal the show. I, I, I want to I I I be, uh, you know, um, having people talk about me on the way home. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm on at six o'clock. I'm on the first fight on pay-per-view. So I'm doing, doing eight rounds. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I just can't. This bit bores me. It really bores me. I can't wait to fight. I've trained hard. I can't wait to fight. I'm really excited. Well, we wish you all the best. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Do stick with us. There's a lot still to come here on TalkSport. Don't be going anywhere. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport.
fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. It is uh, Lomachenko Campbell, the fight week. We've been on location all this week, uh, speaking to the who's who of the boxing world. And if you've only just joined the show, you've missed Vassal Lomachenko. Uh, um, but don't worry, you will be, will be able to get this show via podcast. You can get it on the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com, or you can get it via iTunes. Still to come in the remaining hour of this show, we are going to talk a little bit about mixed martial arts and a certain rugby player uh, that has decided to... Uh, uh, change career, James Haskell, uh, former England international, uh, going into the world of Bellator. Gareth's been catching up with him this week, so you're going to hear from him uh, in the next hour or so. Make sure you stick around. First of all, though, I think it's only first thing that we've been speaking to everybody about this particular fight that's happening at the Auto Arena tonight, that we talk about the other things that are going on in the world of boxing. Uh, and since we were last together chatting, uh, Triple G has announced that he is going to start working with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom USA. He's obviously already signed to the TV platform that Eddie's got uh, big connections with the Zone, the streaming platform uh, over in the United States of America. We know full well that he's going to be fighting for the IBF, vacant IBF uh, middleweight championship against uh, Derevyanchenko. Uh, and then there's two fights there that he is supposed to be working with Eddie, which leaves it all up in the air as to who he will fight. Now, we heard, we heard from Eddie earlier on when we put this question to him, with him now working with Triple G, with him now working with Billy Joe Saunders, Surely now there's no politics that can get in the way of making that fight. And for me, I would absolutely love to see that for Billy Joe Saunders because he needs to kick on. He needs proper opponents now, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't think, unlike Huey Fury going in straight with Alexander Povetkin having signed with, with Matchroom Sports you know, here, and we'll see uh, tonight. The, the, the one thing that is key uh, for this Golovkin signing is how long they will keep Billy Joe Saunders just warming up. I think there's going to be one warm-up fight. I don't think he'll be straight into the big, big fights. I hope he is, but mm. I don't think he will be. Remember the Sergei Derevchenko, Derevchenko knocking about as well for Golovkin. Um, well, that's happening. That's definitely happening for the vacant IBF belt. Yeah, so, so, so as the, you know... So what you're saying is that Billy needs one in between that definitely. before we move on. And, and, and maybe... As chief support on there, you know these things. Here's are, a suggestion you know. for you then. What about Bubu Andrade? Demetrius Andrade's the WBO middleweight champion at this moment in time. That's the belt that Billy formerly held before, obviously, all the nasal spray situation kicked in. He's now obviously a champion at a weight category above his Billy at, at super middleweight. But I would love him to go back down to middleweight, maybe fight Bubu Andrade because he's looking for an opponent at this moment in time. Get that on, get that belt, and then you have maybe a unification with Triple G for the IBF and WBO middleweight crowns. Yeah, I think that's a good call, Adam. You know, I, I'm, um, I was with Bubu Andrade, as I said before on the show, um, at the uh, Dillian White uh, Oscar Rivas fight night. You liked you his know. company, didn't you? You liked, you liked he the was guy. Fa- he was fantastic. I mean, I have met him before. Um, I've been at a couple of his fights. I think he's a terrific fighter. I think they've got a really weird style for each other. Yeah. He's a big puncher and he throws yeah. awkward punches and he's an awkward mover. I think it's an odd fight to watch, actually. I don't yeah, think, I don't it, could think a, it's, it could be a very weird fight. Yeah. There could be a lot of holding. There could yeah. be a lot of tying up. Yeah. Um, um, I think Billy Joe is the marginally better boxer. I think Bubu Andrade is the slightly, or Demetrius, to give him his proper name, is 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 the more dangerous puncher. Um, it would settle the WBO middleweight title once and for all, which they never got to do because mm. Bubu obviously got the title, as you say, because Billy Joe Saunders had taken this uh, nasal spray that isn't uh, illegal here. 
uh, but under drug testing, yeah. but it is in America, and it, you know, and Billy had been a bad boy for a few months. Anyway, done some very silly things, which I think he's put right. To be fair, and that's what is enjoyable about him at the moment. He he seems to realise maybe he's seen his friend Tyson Fury sign big, sign with ESPN. Um, involve a BT Sport Frank Warren and really hit the big time and think you know we're the same generation me and him because they are mm. they're the same age and you know, they're from the same traveller stock the same kind of backgrounds and it's time to to kind of resonate within the sport and really do what he has to do and you're right he needs three big fights in his next five mm. and he needs five big fights in his next seven Mm. So he can have a, uh, a, I don't mean even a tune-up. I, I wouldn't argue with Bubu Andrade being his, Andrade being his next fight yeah, with Matchroom. But there is a danger there that he might not win it. And then he'll lose out on the Golovkin and Canelo fights. Um, but there's always a Chris Eubank Jr. fight. There's, al- there are great f- there's always a Callum Smith fight. Yeah. There, because of his boxing style, because of... Um, Look, he's not the most followed boxer in the world. He's not um, He's not the biggest name in the world. But you know what? He fits into so many jigsaw puzzles. And you know he's going to have the skills. Him against a puncher, because he's such a great boxer, such a matador to the bull, mm-hmm. is fascinating. And that's why we saw I that know against Lemieux, didn't we? We saw that in exactly. that fight against Lemieux. But that's why... You're right in saying, and that's why your mouth waters when you think of him in against Golovkin. Yeah. And it's a slightly older Golovkin, a slightly, you know, he's slightly, the wheelbarrow's just reached the top of the hill and it's starting to tumble, you know. And it's a good time for him. It's a really good time that he signed for Metroom. Um, but I, I think, you know, Eddie's a man of, of, he's not a man of mystery. He gets the job done. And I do expect that uh, by the end of the year, uh, if they can't find the right opponent to keep him busy, it wouldn't surprise me to see Billy Joe Saunders in a world title fight. So with that in mind then, this middleweight landscape, let's try and paint a picture for everybody. So you've got Billy Joe Saunders hopefully fighting Andrade. Fingers crossed that will happen. We know that Triple G is definitely fighting Daddy Vianchenko. Then you've got the Canelo conundrum. So Canelo holds two belts in this category, but he's not fighting at middleweight. Because the noise, I mean, he was supposed to be fighting next weekend. It's Mexican Bank Holiday weekend. He had September the 14th booked. Tyson Fury stole the date. Tyson Fury will be Aaron rocking. grabbed it. He'll be yeah. rocking him yeah. with his sombrero next week. No question about that. Yeah. Uh, but Canelo's, we're, we're led to believe that it'll be the first week of November for him. Yeah. Now, he and the chat from his side is that they want Kovalev. Now, Kovalev is obviously a light heavyweight who fought... Uh, uh, Anthony Yard last week he came through that fight there was a shock a little bit of a scare in there but he came through the fight first question to you is if November the 2nd is the date and Kovalev is the man that they want is 10 weeks because that's what it is enough for Kovalev to come off the back of last weekend's fight get straight back into camp turn it round and take on Canelo for the light heavyweight championship Yes, I think there is. Because um, there's an awful lot of money in that fight, isn't there? There is. I, I, I do think it'll happen. Um, I think it's a great time. It's a great name. Sergei Kovalev, the great Russian fighter, is a great name. He'll be going into his, what, 17th world title fight in a row. Um, it's a great opportunity. I, I wouldn't put Canelo in with any of the other uh, light heavyweight Not champions. Not at all. No, it's just too much. Too Ole- big, too for us. Alexander Gavojdik, no way. Dmitry Bivol, no way. Arta Baturbiev, no way. I mean, I wouldn't even put him in with 
Gilberto Ramirez, who's moved up from super yeah. middle either. I, I think some of them are just too big. God, you've got John Pascal still knocking around there. You would not want to put Canelo in with people that size. Um, but Badu Kov- Jack. <laughs> but Kovalev, the timing seems to be right but, for a Kovalev. But Kovalev, the WBO champion, um, I think, you know... It's a really good time. It's a big fight. It's one of those big November events. They say they missed out on the September. This May and September in Las Vegas are always enormous events. Um, I think it will happen, and I think it'll be Kovalev's last fight. I think it'll be extraordinarily powerful as a pay-per-view event, and it will be able to project Canelo, as Oscar De La Hoya, as promoter, will see it, into that, you know, kind of the final... a furlong, the final leap. What would that be? Four weight? Super, he's, been, he's done super welter. Uh, middle. Middle. Super middle super and light middle welter. And light, welter. Uh, and, light, and light heavy, sorry. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, basically from 154 pounds to 175 pounds. He's the king. But, he's, but he's got that, he's got that terseness about his body. You only need to look at Canelo, even when he was younger. He's always been 5'11", but he's always had a thick neck and a big head. No, no, but, <laughs> I know but what, what I mean by that is you look at wrestler builds, you look at hench people, you look at power athletes, they always have a thick neck and a, and, and a big head. And, it, and it's because they're built that way, you know, genetically, physiologically. And I think, but this is the limit. I mean, you know, he doesn't have what Roy Jones Jr. had to go from middleweight to heavyweight. When people do these things... It is about picking the opponent. Yes. If you pick the hardest, greatest person at light heavyweight against the hardest, greatest person at middleweight, very rarely is the middleweight going to win. Yeah. Um, I think Canelo is naturally a middleweight. Yeah. Um, uh, he can still make middleweight. Um, and I think we'll see him fight at middleweight again. But I think, as you say, we're trying to paint the picture of how the middleweight division stacks up. Let's say um, that... that um, I think next May he could be back for a massive unification in some way, shape or form. Canelo I'm talking about now because the way that this is going to play out by the end of the year and then this, maybe at the start of next year we could see either Canelo in with Triple G if he comes through against... Uh, oh, without question. If he comes through against Derevianchenko or Billy Joe Saunders yeah, if mean, he comes through against an Andrade. He needs to go and get a belt first. Again, as we're clearing up the middleweight picture, there's four belts. I mean... Canelo holds the WBC and the WBA still. Yeah. They'll, they'll, there's no question that those two sanctioning bodies won't mind him. Well, he's a WBC franchise champion in the middleweight division. Of course he division. is a franchise <laughs> champion. Now. Yeah, he's got, uh, yeah. So what that means is... He can do son, what he wants. You keep it as long as you want. Yeah. Remember, I mean, years back, uh, Vitaly Klitschko was made the emeritus champion of the WBC yeah. heavyweight title and was away for four years with knee surgery yeah. and so on. And he was able to hold, he came straight back to fight for the belt four years later. Um, that won't happen with Canelo, but there's a reason why DeZone have signed Golovkin. There's a reason why Eddie Hearn has worked a, a deal with Golovkin. That fight will happen, and it's almost exclusively going to be May mm. next year, in my view. It's the big date in Vegas, yep. and unless it's stolen by... Uh, the Gypsy King? Tyson Fury and Deontay <laughs> Wilder, and that's got a bit to play out. Yeah, I know we're going to talk heavyweights in a bit, but unless that date is stolen by that one, because I'm not sure what's bigger right now, actually. Is it Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Is it Canelo and Gennady Golovkin tr- trilogy fight? It's hard to know. I think it's the heavyweight rematch. Oh, let, no, it is. No, well, it is. Well, let's it get is. stuck into that in a moment or two. You're listening to Fight Night here on TalkSport. 
fight night on TalkSport, building up towards Vasil Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell. It's a big one in London tonight at the O2 Arena. Hopefully you're enjoying the show as we bring you a few of the voices connected to the big night. Uh, one man that is going to be calling the fight for ESPN over in the United States alongside his buddy Andre Ward, his former world champion, Timothy Bradley. Now, this is a man that's got a lot of experience of fighting those aggressive, counter-punching southpaws. He's been in with Mackie He's been in with Manny Pacquiao a couple of times. So that's where I started our conversation a little earlier on this week. I want to talk to you about aggressive counterpunching southpaws. It's ridiculous. You know, there's not many of them. You know, uh, Lomachenko, Lomachenko is, 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 is a special talent. Um, you know, anytime you're, you're aggressive with your defense to create offense and you do things off the front foot, you know, versus the back foot, when you're right in front of a guy, I mean, in mid-range and striking range, and you don't get hit, that's amazing. You know, that's like uh, we call that swimming without getting wet. You know? you, you've you've been against one of those though on several occasions in Manny Pacquiao. Well, you Manny know what Pacquiao, I mean? Manny Pacquiao, Manny Pacquiao. It's it's a lot of similarities as far as punching angles, as far as a guy being really busy, yeah. uh, a southpaw with speed and power. Um, Manny does it does it really well, but Loma does it a little bit different, a little bit differently. Um, he he has a little bit more more flair to him, like uh, you know, um, more a little bit more antics, you know. Like he's like he's entertaining, he's, you know. What I mean? He's it's it's like entertaining, but it's it's more like he's setting everything up. Manny doesn't Manny Manny uses the feints. That's just that's Manny's thing. It's foot feints, you know what I mean. Loma's more hands. Look at these. Look at these. Look at these. Look at these. Then he drop you know. Then he'll drop you know a hard one on you. He's touching you, constantly touching you. You know it's draining when you have a guy that's constantly on you and he's constantly touching you, touching your arms, touching here. He's like pressing buttons, pop, 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 and then boom, then lures you to sleep almost. He, is, it, is it more of a, is it more of a mental drain than a physical it's drain? A, it's both. It's both at the same time. It's a mental drain and also a physical drain at the same time. And you know I look at Lomachenko and I've read you know, through this week that he now believes that he's the best fighter in the world. It's the first time he's ever said this. First time. You know, and that means something. Um, because he said in the past that Terrence Crawford is the number one fighter in the world. And going into this fight, he says, I'm the best fighter in the world, on the planet. He just now mastered his his craft. He truly has. Like, I, I feel for Campbell. Because now Loma believes it that he's the best fighter on the planet, and that's where it starts at, man. You know, you have to believe it. You know, because the brain controls everything. Everything you do in the ring, the brain controls it. Loma knows that, and Loma, when he trains, he he trains for Loma. See, that's a that's a huge difference. You when you train for Loma, when you train for yourself to make yourself better, you know, you feel that no one can beat you. That's the way. That's the way. When I when I trained for Marquez, I focused on myself. I didn't care about Marquez. I focused on myself. I did everything to get myself better. And I came out and I boxed his ears off. It was easy. The easiest four million ever in my whole life that I've ever made. Easiest four million dollars. You know. Sorry, Marquez. It was it was easy. Anyways, box your ears off. Um, but would that be your advice then to Luke Campbell then this weekend, rather than concentrating on what Lama it's does? It's too late. It's too late. It's too late for it's too late for Campbell because Campbell and his team, the Loma effect is real. 
the Loma effect is real, people. I, I, I know it's real because he sparred three guys at once, bro. Like, what? who the hell spars three guys at one time to get ready for one? Like, who does that? That's the stupidest thing. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, man, for real. Do you believe it? Do you believe that that actually happened or were they joking? Man, I don't. If it did happen, it's terrible. It's terrible because it, that just doesn't make any sense, man. You know, you're basically saying to, to emulate Lomachenko, you believe he's like sparring. Three guys at one time. That makes no sense. Where is your self-belief at, man? You know, you were an Olympic gold medalist. Do you understand that? This is your home turf, buddy. You have the size advantage. You have the reach advantage. Like, you have all these advantages, and you still don't think that you're good enough to be able to compete with Lomachenko? Come on. Where's the self-belief at? We had one guy last week that don't even spar. And this week, we got a guy that spars three guys. What the hell is going on? Come on, Brits, get it together. Welcome to the I UK. I love y'all, Brits, but y'all need to get it together. Really. If you had those advantages then going in, the height, the reach, and all that. Use your advantages. How would you approach the fight? So this is the thing. Miles always taught to use what you got if you don't have what you need. Use. Campbell has to use what he has. He has the height. He has the reach. He has boxing ability. You don't need to, hey, if you're going to be Salido, you got to be two times that guy. You got to be two times Salido because Manny Pacquiao, I mean, um, Lomachenko is not, um, is not the same fighter, man. He's not the same fighter from two fights when he was second professional fight. He's a different, he's a different, different breed now. Plus in that fight, Salido came in overweight and it was a little bit of a rough I'm and tumble fight. About that. I'm not worried about the overweight and all that stuff and the low blows and all that. I know that was all a part of the game or whatever, but that, that's just part of the game. But Loma wasn't ready for that, okay? He was the second professional fight fighting uh, a seasoned vet like that. You know what I mean? But that Lomachenko doesn't exist anymore. Do you understand that? That guy, that guy right there is long gone. So if you banking on Lomachenko to be that guy, you, you lost your damn mind. He's a different pet. He's at a different, different, different degree of difficulty now, man. He's at the top. I'm talking about elite, 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 elitist. And he believes it. So going into this fight, Campbell needs to use his advantages. You got to tame that bull. You got to keep that bull outside. You keep him outside. You got to keep him outside. Lomachenko, if you think about it, he got short dinosaur arms, little arms, little nubs. He got to get close. He do. He got little dinosaur. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you know, you know who else got some short arms? And it's a beast, Manny Pacquiao. Short arms, beast, southpaw, fast as hell, hit hard as hell. Lomachenko, same thing. You know, but Lomachenko, when he goes about his business, he gets in position by using his hands. That's how he gets in position. Using his fence, keeping his feet up, skipping his feet up. That's how he gets in position. That's how he gets close to these guys. I love the fact that you just described him as little dinosaur arms. They are, the little nubs. Like, yeah, 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 T-Rex arms. Bruh. So you got a five and a half inch reach advantage. Use them shit. Get off me, little man. Get off me. Get off me. Bam. You got to maintain that distance all night long. That's what you got to do. So you sparring three dudes at once. You can get behind whooped in sparring if you spawn three dudes at once. You, hey, you better be, hey, 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 because hey, that's how you was in sparring. Spar. Hey, 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 get off me. That's how you was in sparring, right? <laughs> so have you, have, you, have you ever thought about doing stand-up? 
No, Come no, on, man. no. You I'm should get. Saying. You should get on that scene. No, man. I'm just saying, man. You know, he gonna have to be. He gonna have to keep him outside all night long, man. Timothy Bradley's doing a stand-up comic act before the main event at the weekend, yeah? Uh, no. <laughs> In the ring. You're going to do the whole Auto Arena. No, no I'm not going to do that. But it, if he can do that, and he needs to realize that if he can't hit the damn head, hit the body. Okay? Hit the with, body. With his T-Rex arms. With the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got to hit the body. That's what Camel's going to have to do. He's going to have to hit the body. Straight up, you know. Um, because Loma can be a little difficult, you know, hitting them to the head. And you can get, and fighters get frustrated when they can't when they can't hit a guy. They get frustrated. So change your attention from the head. Forget the head. Hit the body. Kill that body. Pop, 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 pop. Change your attention downstairs, and he'll have some success. But he has to maintain that distance. Don't let don't let uh, Lomachenko with the T Rex arms get in close on him. And it's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Can't let him get close. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis alongside me for an epic show. Hopefully you're enjoying it so far. Lots of big names on the programme and they don't stop now. We just heard from two of the very best that America have got to offer when it comes to analysis on, on fights. In Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley, I think it's only fair that we get some British voices on the show as well. Two guys that are going to be working on the television and they've worked on TalkSport on many occasions in the past on various shows that we've done as Spencer Oliver and Matthew Macklin. Time to get their take on how this one will play out. Uh, now then, Spencer Oliver, I saw that you are having a little bit of a, a golf knock with Vasil Lomachenko. First of all, what's his technique like? Well, he's a lot better boxer than he is golfer, let me tell you that. He's never played golf before, by the way, and we know how difficult golf is. Now we've seen Lemachenko's strange training techniques, all this hand-eye coordination stuff, so I thought, yeah, you'll get the hang of this golf quite quickly. Didn't know how to hold the club, didn't know how to swing the club, but after five, ten minutes he got the hang of it. He started hitting the ball and he started hitting it straight down the line. The guy's just got like this unbelievable hand-eye coordination. Comes across as a bit of a freaking nature. Matt Macklin, regarding those training techniques, what's your when you see the videos of him juggling bottles on the end of his hands and kayaking and all that type of stuff. What's your initial thoughts of the way that he's preparing for fights? Well, I suppose it shows you that he, he knows it's not all about strength and conditioning and, you know, fitter, faster, stronger, which sometimes some boxing trainers can be all you know, hard, 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 hard. He obviously knows that it, there's a lot about timing, about hand toy coordination, about balance, agility. So I think he, his, his training uh, approach is quite a balanced approach. You know, yeah, I'm sure he does cardiovascular, endurance, strength, power, all that sort of stuff. But he also, you know, like you say, has quite some unorthodox techniques of training, which are probably very sort of uh, important in terms of, you know, his hand-to-eye coordination, his, uh, his, his balance, his, his agility, all that sort of stuff. I think what's fascinating about him, having seen him, you know, in Vegas when he's been training there in the top-ranked gym for way back when he fought Walters, when he made Walters quit in that series of fights where he made Walters quit, he made Rigondeau quit. All these guys who were either really tough or really talented. You guys have been there at the very highest level, of course. Is he one of those guys that we watch him from afar? He's one of those genius sportsmen that makes it look easy. And it's not till you're fighting him that you realize how good he is. Yeah, and, and he breaks your heart. You know, he breaks your heart because he just demoralizes you and embarrasses you, humiliates you. and. You can't hit him. He might not be. He, he doesn't break your heart with pain. He breaks your heart by embarrassing you, by you know, just making you think, what's the point? You know, you can't hit him. You can't have any success. You're getting the head pinged off you. You can't see him. He's round the back here. He's hitting you, and you just think, oh, I'm just out of my depth. To boot, he's not the biggest man in the world. I mean, he's the same size as you, isn't he, Spence? He's actually, he's actually a little bit smaller than me. And his frame's very small as well. Now, when you put so the you're both saying guys, you could have taken him, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's another story. But when you put, <laughs> he's a solid little. Bit. Yeah, he, he is. is. No, he is. Yeah. He is. But the compactness of him is amazing but, as well. You know, when you put both guys together, so you saw Campbell when when he got in the ring at the Dillian White. Oscar Rivas fight and you saw Campbell and him together we done that we make, we judged that book by its cover when we saw Joshua Ruiz and you see them together and you think they cannot even be the same weight but you're right Matt in what you said about Lomachenko I think once in a lifetime somebody comes along is just extra extra special now we're all good boxers and we've all got good boxing IQ but this guy takes it to another level you know he's two or three moves in front the whole time spoke to Anthony Corolla about that fight where he had against Corolla. Now, Corolla's got one of the tightest defences in, in, the, in, in, in the world of boxing. 
and he systematically broke him down and made it look easy in three or four rounds. Crawler said he couldn't believe the timing was impeccable, the speed of shot, the accuracy, the power. He said all of that. He said when he got hit, he felt like he'd actually momentarily been paralysed. And do you know what it is as well, though? So you, that, that style of fighting that he does, that, that those moves, he's like the Matrix getting around you. He wouldn't be able to do that if he couldn't physically ecologically do the stuff he does so that training where he walks on his hands and he, he does these unorthodox methods of training that that's productive to that kind of uh, that style of fighting if you couldn't what I mean is you can have all the boxing IQ in the world but if your body can't do it it can't do it so he's unorthodox training it, it is um, complementary to and, the way and, 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 that, and that and that unorthodox training is the thing that when he's taken it to that nth level it just keeps him physiologically still interested stretching him stretching him it, doing all the things it, he he's like an acrobat exactly and, you know but so he, he trains like an acrobat yeah. because that's the style he fights yeah. like listen when he when he was younger and we, and we all know the story his father took him away from boxing and he went dancing he'd done that ukrainian dancing now i'd done that last time Usyk was over when he was over fighting belly and they, they yeah, got but me. you'd had about four points no, by no, then no, that was no. the problem i hadn't but they got me dressed up like this little what were what are they cossack. Cossack. cossack a little cossack dancer with the wig on and these flary trousers oh god i paid to I've watch got, that I've got day to tell in there it is the hardest thing i've ever done and you can understand how he does the, all that all that i'd like to actually see you do, no don't actually because you're not in yeah you've been you've been not well recently don't do that but yeah it's so matt it's so difficult like with your stamina with like and the foot movements are so quick I can understand why his father done that and you can see that he transla translates that in the boxing ring with I mean his footwork is second to none you know how, how he creates those angles m maneuvers around works on the inside shuffles he moves just out of distance like two inches out of different distance so that he's in range to actually counter shot can, with his can own I throw something in here but no one is unbeatable well, he's already been beaten, hasn't he? He got beaten off yeah, Salino. But I mean, so how, how do you, how, if you're fighting him this weekend, how do you approach it, man? You know, he, he, he lost to Salino. It was a close fight. It was his second pro fight. He'd never been 12 rounds. Plus, he Salino came in overweight. Yeah. You know, you know, it was Is that the thing to do? Because he's fighting what, coming overweight? He's, <laughs> no, no, he's, he's come up two weights, hasn't he? So he's Campbell, Campbell's, no, it's not really Campbell style of fighting. So No, it's funny you say that. It's not Campbell style of fighting. But I spoke to Campbell about this yesterday. And he said he knows he's got to go into a dogfight because he said he's listen. Best John. He's he knows what he's talking about, Campbell. He's done it at the highest level all the way, and he realizes that he can't outbox Lomachenko. He can't outthink Lomachenko. So what you got to do? You got to roll the dice, and you got you got to go for it. You got to sling the kitchen sink at him because that's his only realistic chance. But in doing that, he leaves himself vulnerable to being open. So it's going to be one of those fights that he could get caught early, Matt, or he could pull off which would, for me, go down in boxing history as the biggest shock in boxing history. It, but it's funny, though, as well. You, you say Campbell might do that and Lomachenko might have an off night. We've seen this guy win with a d dislocated shoulder, even. That's my worry for, for Campbell. It's true, though, isn't yeah, no, it? No, it is true. And, and I took a deep breath because I'm trying to think what am I going to say. But you, you know, the reality is you're talking about someone that maybe none of us have ever seen before or will ever see again on in that boxing. Do, do you get the impression this week, speaking to fans on the street and speaking to people in the media and even people around boxing, that this is a once-in-a-generation fighter that a lot of fans that are turning up to the O2 Arena at the weekend are, in years to come are going to go, I was there when he came to town. Absolutely. This fight is sold out. Yes, to come and support Luke Campbell, Olympic gold medalist that people want to see and want to see him get over the line and become world champion. But there's also 
Equally, people are coming to watch Lomachenko, the once in a generation, maybe once in a lifetime talent, the best in the sport. So that it's as much as that as it is they're supporting a, a British sporting icon. Yeah, this guy will go down in history, I believe, as one of the greatest fighters of all time. I mean, this is how good this guy is. And you're right, Matt, you know, speaking to the people that are coming, this fight sold out, you know, a couple of months ago to hardcore boxing fans. And which is unusual. Yeah, yeah. Normally, anti-Joshua fights sell out straight away. Dillian fights, boxes at the O2 Arena. He's boxing a good fighter. Tickets are still available. They've only sold out because one, boxing's growing, and two, people appreciate we are we are witnessing greatness here with Blomachenko, and that's not bigging him up. Can I we say? Can we say that if you look at the top ten pound for pound in the world at the moment, a style that I increasingly see in my time involved in boxing that. The, south, the, the, the counter-punching, aggressive southpaw, Usyk, Errol Spence, Terence Crawford when he switches, and Vasyl Lomachenko. You mentioned Crawler just now. It's the hardest style to fight. Oh, yeah, so, oh, so difficult to work. And he's the best at it. Yeah. You know, they're all top fighters, and he's the best at it. You know, he, this is, that is the hardest style, yeah, he, isn't he, it? He's the best. Because you're, you're even trying to go out on your shield. You can't go out on your shield because you're being counter-punched. Yeah, it, and, and what happens is you, you just drain your battery. You know, you're concentrating that hard that the battery gets drained in a different way. It might not be, it might not be a million punches getting thrown. You might not be in the trenches, but people are fatigued quickly because the, the amount of uh, brain power that's being used up is, is off it, the scale. It, interestingly, interestingly, speaking to Lomachenko yesterday as well, he said that he sees this as one of his toughest contests. The reason being, the Europeans really appreciate gold medalists in the Olympics. They both both run careers parallel to each other so Lomachenko knows how good Campbell is and he says height is going to be a problem for him reach is going to be a problem for him and the boxing it's IQ a lot of body to so, aim at so yeah but I, what I'm saying is that Lomachenko doesn't see this as a pushover no he, he will have Listen, a lot all, of respect we, for Luke Campbell like he'll anybody. see Luke on a high level because he'll have seen him on a high level consistently in all these amateur tournaments when you go to these amateur tournaments you know all the other top kids are and he'll have seen Luke Campbell consistently getting gold medal after gold medal so he, he'll know that Luke Campbell's the real deal it just so happens that he's special Fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure to once again be in your company. Hopefully you're enjoying the show so far. If you miss any part of it, by the way, it will be available as a podcast. You can get it on iTunes, you're looking for Fight Night, or you can get it on the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. Now, time to speak to Eddie Hearn, the man responsible for bringing the pound-for-pound best fighter on the planet to London tonight, and what this actually means for him, bringing one of those once-in-a-generation fighters to the fight fans here in Great Britain. Have you ever seen an away fighter be received the way that Mr Lomachenko was received at the York Hall earlier this week? No, not really. I wouldn't have wasted my money. I, I did the fight in the UK because I thought we'd have all the support and we'd have a great chance of winning. They're all bloody cheering for Lomachenko. So, so you, you know that the British fight fans are extremely knowledgeable. 
you know that the reason, one of the reasons this sold out in super quick time was because of Vasily Lomachenko. So you're, he's going to have big Ukrainian support here, actually. Don't, don't forget that. But also, we'll have some Brits who admire him, respect him, love him, and they may cheer for him as well. But don't cheer too loud. You've got to get behind our boy, Luke Campbell. So... You know, I just think it's a sign of how knowledgeable the UK fight fans are. And let's, let's be honest, one of the reasons Lomachenko went to box here is because he knows that British fight fans are extremely knowledgeable and he knows he's extremely popular here. Yeah, but if you, if you classed Lomachenko in the way, I'm gonna talk, I don't want to talk Luke Campbell down because we want to talk him up as well. He's one of ours. He was an Olympic gold medalist. Mm. He's a British hero in terms mm. of sports. But you look at Lomachenko in the world and you look at the top 10 sports people mm. in the world, mm. he has to be close to being in the top five sports well, people in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, profile-wise, not quite yet. Yeah. But genius-wise, in terms of his ability, yes. I mean, he is number one pound for pound in boxing. So, in that respect, you have to say that he's well, a top Federer of his craft, doesn't need to he? scream no, and shout. No, exactly. Lewis Hamilton's no, no, no. never screamed and shout. But their body of work over a period of, of time yeah, yeah. is and extraordinary. Yeah, and they're, they're yeah. heroes to fans. And, by the way, he conducts himself really well as well. He is I mean, a you know, great I saw him having an interview with you yeah. the other day in a cab. You know, like he's down to earth guy, yeah. isn't he? And so is Usyk as well. I mean, we promote Usyk. Lovely, yeah. lovely man. They're from the hood in Ukraine, oh, but mate, they've been well brought that. up. Yeah, don't they, don't worry know? about that. I mean, don't worry about their toughness. I mean, these people come from places that you know. Well, we at least could, from we the Crimea, basically, in, in, Sebastopol, yeah, yeah, those we places. We could survive yeah. there for a, a day, let alone a childhood. So, these people are, are born fighters, and Lomachenko is an exceptional talent. But we're here to win. With all due respect to Lomachenko, I want to watch him. The Matrix, and you know, I want to see him get knocked out. Am I the only one who's feeling like this right now? You no, know, not at all. I want, I want to see our boy shock the world and produce the biggest, one of the biggest shocks ever. I think a lot of fight fans are exactly the same as you. The, the atmosphere on Saturday night is going to be interesting because when he makes that ring walk, Lomachenko, it's going to be mm. crazy for him. There's no mm. question about that. But then it's on Luke to do something in that opening round yeah. to turn the fans and get them going again. Yeah, but he's good enough to do it. It's not like... Oh, you know, they will turn quickly, yeah, I think, yeah, if he no, does that. Listen, he'll have they, a, they, trust me, he'll have a lot of support yeah. because people will get in there, they'll have a few beers and all of a sudden they're so proud to be British. We half can't of, even all, half of all will be there. Yeah, exactly. Half know? of all will be there. <laughs> and um, yeah, they'll, they'll turn quickly. He has to get his respect early. There's no doubt about that. And when you watch a qualified back, it's one thing he never really did. Yeah. You know, first round he was okay, but then all of a sudden... He never got he never got Lomachenko's respect. You've got to hit him hard, hit him early. Luke's got such a big reach advantage, you know, and he's a really, really good fighter, Luke Campbell. Like technically mm. smart, mm. great amateur, great footwork. Shane's done a great job. And like, I keep going back to he said it in the fighter meeting there. Trust me, if the Luke Campbell today would have boxed Jorge Linares two years oh, ago, yeah. he would have stopped him. He would have stopped him. He, he, had, he had terrible things going in his the back. His father, father passed away exactly. ten days before the I fight. Mean, he should never know. even box. Yeah. He lost a split decision. I thought he won the fight. But I agree. I thought very, very but close. But anyway, like call it a draw, whatever you want yeah. to call it. Oh, trust me. Now he would have played with Lenares, and Lenares is a world-class fighter. But the two losses in Luke's career have come at moments that Mendy fight shouldn't have been in. He had the flu, and he still went through with the fight. He didn't really even tell anyone. Has Mendy still ever been stopped by anyone? No, no. no. And, and Luke you know beat I mean? him like, virtually yeah. you know, shut out in the rematch. No, so, very, very yeah, tough yeah. African fight. Yeah. And now, yeah, the Linares fight's there. But So I feel like this is the first time he's been in a, a crunch fight where he's actually been ready. Unfortunately for Luke, it's against Lomachenko. Do you know you, what I mean? If you, it was against Linares, if it was against Comi, if it was against... Uh, uh, Tiafimo Lopez I believe he deals with him but it's against Lomachenko so how good is he how ready he is but he's confident like calm real calm worryingly calm you, you know like 
listen, I, the, I'm, I'm caught the tail end of the fighter meetings here with yourself and Luke. We're in a very private room with the likes of Andre Ward and the Sky Crew, Johnny Nelson, all the guys, you know, Anna and all the guys who are commentating and broadcasting on the night. I really noticed with Luke because Luke's very tentative with the media it's often. He doesn't short, go to well, short. I know, no, like, I know. No, it's there. No, you know, like Andre Ward and those guys say, you know. So how do you beat him? He's like punch him in the face. Hard. Yeah, a lot hard. of times. I know. Yeah, and so, I keep oh, hitting right, him. So how do you envisage winning? He goes by hitting him and beating him. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but is it? Well, he's like, looks like. What, what do you? What, what, what do you want me to say? Jab right hand. Like, I mean, that that, that that is. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. But but what there was. Uh, about him is we know his background he's got trawlerman in the family yeah. ex-military in the mm. family he's from a very tough family he's a very upright character yeah. but what I liked about him the whole of this week um, George Groves wouldn't agree with it and obviously he's a team campmate he said no he seems really relaxed but I like Luke when he's tetchy and touchy mm. and, and has got that focus about him mm. it's like I'm going to do this he's very whatever stubborn. it he's takes really me he's really stubborn exactly. when, when I first signed yeah. him yeah. Uh, he was like we were on the way to training. He was making. He was writing in a pad, and I was like, "It's on the train together, yeah, weren't you?" Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I said, "What are you doing?" He says, "I'm just making notes about my session and what I've got to do this week." And I was like, "He's like very regimental, but very stubborn. Very yeah. like, you, if you tell him he can't do something, mm. it'll work ten times harder to do it." So you've been telling for years he can't beat Lomachenko. Yeah, 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 no, but I think every, I think <laughs> I don't have to because everybody's telling him. Yeah, indirectly. Do you know what I mean? The fans are telling him. The media are telling him. The odds are telling him. The bookmakers telling him. And if you say to Luke Campbell, you know what, you can't do this. Don't forget, this kid lost his first three amateur fights. He went on to be the greatest British amateur of all time, right? He won Olympic gold. He lost his first three amateur fights. And he was told, mate, you're not good enough, right? So this is the same thing. People telling him now, you're not good enough to beat Lomachenko. And that's in his mind. And he wants to prove everybody wrong. You're the ultimate salesman, right? Um, To me or Adam? (laughs) Yeah, you both are. Um... This is a really good card. Mm. Just you know, sell it for us because yeah, I've heard does you. He, does he need to? <laughs> no, no, but, no, but, but for those listening, you know like who, we, when you who, when you put on a main event like this, you've got to pay a lot of money to bring Lomachenko to the UK. You've got to pay Campbell a lot of money because he could have got it in America. But we both decided that he had a much better chance in the UK. He could have taken more money to do this in America. But he thought, no, I believe I can beat him in the UK. Let's get it in the UK, which should tell you a lot Is as well. Is that why it took it longer to sign him? Yeah, then? because, you know, we, well, he wanted a certain amount of money. Lomachenko, I'm, I'm negotiating with Bob Arum. Do you know what I mean? He's eight hours behind me. Don't wake up till midday these days, Bob. You know, once he gets on the CBD oil, he's away, right? So then it's a case of, okay, so, and then Sky come on. Oh, make sure we have a good undercard as well. It's like, blimey, I've just done my conquers making the main event. Now you want a good undercard. But then... You start to think that you, know, you go on sale just with the main event and yeah. it's like nearly sold out. It's like, okay, this is quite big. We'll spend a bit of money on the undercard. All of, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, nowhere Fury Povetkin gets made and it's like, this is a monster fight. I mean, that's a monster heavyweight fight. You know, I haven't stopped sleeping thinking about, is this madness from Team Fury or is it actually genius? genius? You know, are they going to pull off a performance on Saturday? Everyone goes, I can't believe it. He's beat Povetkin. Well, or he's Povetkin's Povetkin. a favourite, isn't he? I mean, it's a very, very intriguing fight. It is, fight. because it's a crossroads fight. It's a style fight. By, by, by yeah. knockout, you can see Huey imposing himself, him frustrating points. him, yeah, yeah. tiring him. He's 15 years yeah, older yeah. than him. It, it, it's really, really fascinating. And I said, like, do you think Huey... Yeah, he said, I said, do you think Huey might be able to... He went, oh, mate, he said, he punches hard, he does. He said, he's a beast. 
and he is. I mean, you saw that in the AJ fight. Yeah. This guy can fight. And again, when you talk about Fury outboxing him and fiddling around, Povetkin is an Olympic gold medalist himself. Yes. He's got very good feet. He's got very good boxing IQ. He's not an idiot who's just going to follow Huey Fury around for 12 rounds. Well, he's lost to Klitschko and yeah, Joshua. That's Huey, it, isn't it? Huey, Over th- in 30 Peter said a couple of interesting things. Fury, Huey's got to do something different in this fight. And that means you're going to have to hold your feet at times and have a little bit of a fight with him because you can't just move, move, move. You're going to get walked down. You know, he's going to bob his head, come in, throw those big ones over the top. doesn't matter if he's hitting you here, here, here. It's going to hurt. So you've got to, at times, get a little bit of respect, sting him, move again, not just move, 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 move. And, and I can't wait for that fight. Charlie Edwards, again, against his mandatory Julio Cesar Martinez. Brilliant fight. 12, 12, 12 rounds of what will be an absolute war. It is. It's going to be non-stop Martinez, Martinez knocked out Andrew Selby to become the mandatory. Selby's brilliant fighter. I mean, brilliant fighter. This guy's a tough, tough individual. Boatsy on the card, I think he's one of the best prospects in world boxing. Step up for him. First time in 25 years, two Welshmen have fought for the British title. In Joe Caldina against Gavin Gwynn. 11-0 against 9-0. You've got Savannah Marshall on the card. You've also even... It's a real chance for her to yeah, do something, great. isn't it? She beat Clarissa Shields in the World Amateur Championship. I want to make that fight next year. She can fight Savannah Marshall. Geordie, we've got our big show on October the 19th coming out in Newcastle oh, Arena. She She'll be on, be on there as well if she wins on Saturday. She told us, right, we, we, we spoke to her for the show as well. She told us that she wants eight to ten fights a year. Yeah. She sees an opportunity in America. Yeah. She, and I've, I've known her years and years since yeah. she was a little girl. And she really grew up five months on her own in Vegas, yeah. she was yeah, telling yeah, us yeah. about. And do you really feel that you can get her to that Shields fight, to the Hamer yeah, fight, all those big she fights? She beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs. I believe she was the only person to do it. Well, she was world number one when she went to London yeah, 2012. Exactly. Yeah, she won. I think she won the world championship, gold. She, that's what I said. Yeah, she and she had two Olympi- two-time Olympia. Like, proper fighter. So, like... Well, at the moment, we've got Katie Taylor, we've got Savannah Marshall, we've got Terry Harper, and we've got Shannon Courtney. They're our four girls that we're working with. All have loads of potential. I don't like doing a card now without a big women's fight on it. I think it's great for the sport. And even on Facebook tomorrow, we've got a great fight between Atif Shafiq and James Tennyson. That's at five o'clock. That could like be chief support on any card around the country. We've got it on Facebook at five. So if you're lucky enough to get a ticket for Saturday night, get there early. And if you're not... Tune into Sky Sports Box Office and just watch a massive night of entertainment, ultimately headlined by you know, the best fighter in boxing. This is a one-off for British boxing where you get to see a guy that will go down in history as one of the true greats. Just a, just a quick one before you clear off and obviously answer some more questions about this weekend. Just a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. You're working with Triple G now. Mm-hmm. We know you're working with Billy Joe Saunders. Mm-hmm. What's the plan there? Well, the plan is to get everybody in together. Like, you know, you've got Triple G, you've got Billy Joe Saunders, you've got Callum Smith, you've got Demetrius Andrade, you've got Danny Jacobs. Got to make them all together. I think the fight for British fans is Billy Joe Saunders against Callum Smith at Anfield or Arsenal next spring, summer. But it's great sign all these fighters. It's an honour to represent Gennady Golovkin. We've just got to get them in with each other now and give the fans what they want. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport.
This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth Day Davis alongside me. We have been in and around the who's who of the boxing world this week, catching up with everybody, getting their opinions, their expertise on how this big fight at the Auto Arena in London is going to play out. Vasyl Lomachenko taking on Luke Campbell. So I think it's only fair for the next half an hour or so we dedicate a little bit of time to the pundits, the experts, the former world champions that are now calling fights. And I don't think we can start in any better place than speaking to the former pound for pound, number one on the planet, Andre Ward. It's not often that you get to speak to pound for pound greatness. How are you, my friend? You good? good. Happy to be here. Um, when did you arrive in the UK? Uh, yesterday. Yeah. Feeling good? Managed to get around yet or not? Because I know that you were putting a thing on social media that you want to go and see some UK talent yeah, in some I'm, of the gyms. Man, there's so many gyms. That's the only problem. So I'm trying to, me and my team are trying to work through which gym to, uh, to go to, but we're working on it. So hopefully tomorrow we got somewhat of a down day. Uh, not too much work, so I'm going to try to pop up and just mingle with the people and try to see some pros and also see some amateurs, so I'm excited about it. But I, I got myself in trouble. There's so many gyms out here. I don't know which one to choose. It's tough. Are you going to have a role? Are you going to give somebody a little bit of work or what? I'm, I'm, I'm a bystander. <laughs> I'm a bystander. That's, that's for the young guy. Hey, you can't turn up at a gym and not have a bit of a go with somebody, you know? You've got to give somebody some life experience. Man, I got 23 years of, of experience, you know? Like, I've had my share. Like, don't get me wrong. I get, I get the itch. I, I'm a competitor. I'm always going to be that guy, no matter what. But you start to get wiser with age, and you realize that that's for the young body, not the older body. Has, um, has Mr. Froch been in, been in contact? Because I know that you were, lo- you were looking for him, yeah? relatively quiet since I've been here. <laughs> Haven't seen or heard of him. Or from him, have you have, have you seen anything? Maybe at the weekend, eh? I hope I see him at the fight. Look at that! Did you see yeah. the glare that he gave? The, the glare that he gave. Uh, listen, I, I have a good time with Fratch. I, I don't. It's nothing personal with me. I mean, it may be personal on his side, but uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of amusing to get him riled up because I, I think he's serious. Um, but it's funny, like he'll he'll talk the way he talks on social media, and then when he sees me, he's very polite. Shakes my hand, he reaches first. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, man, you're the total opposite of what you were, you know, a couple couple weeks ago on social. Oh, you know, it's just banter and it's just the, so that's Frotch. What can I say? It's all fun, man. It's all fun. Listen, I really love the way that you can analyze a fight, pick a fight, and, and kind of give me some analytics of how something's going to play out. We know a lot of people will rank Lomachenko as either one or two in the pound for pound yeah. rankings, either him or Terence Crawford. How do you go about beating a guy like Lomachenko? I think if you look at the uh, Orlando Salido fight, um, and I know that was early in Loma's career, but he hasn't had many fights since then. Um, I know it's easier said than done, but you have to. There's times you have to punch with Loma. There's times you have to punch inside of his punches, and you got to sell out. Like I, I, I don't know too many lightweights that can outbox him. It's possible anything can happen, but right now, the, with the type of style he has and and and, and the way he's like strung his victories together. I see a guy who anybody that beats Loma or gives Loma a, a hard time is going to be somebody that presses him, somebody that can punch with him and go 50-50 and then all of a sudden punch inside of those punches and go 60-40. Like, you're not going to win every battle, but you got to win as many of them as you can. And, but, but even beyond that, like, like, it's from the neck up with Loma before you get in the ring because you have the two-time gold medalist. You have all the hoopla, which is warranted. Guys can't get past that. And even seeing Campbell or hearing or reading about Campbell sparring three guys at one time sounds good. But in my mind, I'm like, that's not going to do it. But the fact that you guys are going to that extreme to try to prepare for a Loma, is he already in your head? Are you already believing the hype? 
So for a lot of Loma opponents, it's, it's from the neck up first. And if they can get past that and not be enamored with who he is, then they give themselves a shot. But that, that's a lot to get past. You had obviously questions in your own career about what to do next. Once you've cleared up a division, what do you do next? There might be a, an opportunity for Lomachenko over the next year. If he does become an undisputed lightweight champion, for example, what does he do next? Do you see him going up? Do you see him going back down? What do you see? I have no idea. That's one of the questions that I have for him is, is, is if, if he cleans out the, light, the lightweight division, what does that mean? Personally, what does that mean? Um, you've, kind of, you, you've amassed that. You've, you've accomplished that. Now what? Where's the motivation? And for a guy like him who, you know, he's, he's, he's been all everything since he's been a youth, like wh where's the motivation? Is it money? Is it, is it a certain number that you have to get to before you feel comfortable to walk away? Is it, is it taking, you know, uh, fighting a 40-pound? Like wh what is it? What was it for you? Um, it wasn't a set thing. You know, it wasn't a set thing. And I know, you know, the way my career ended, like it, it looks like it was perfectly planned, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It just... I talked to a lot. I studied retirement, even as a young man, um, because I knew the day was going to come. And I, and I see, I saw a lot, of, a lot of athletes and a lot of fighters struggle with that. So I was like, you know, what, what, what's this thing, retirement? Like, why is it so hard? And one thing that, that universally I was always told was that you're just going to know. You're just going to wake up one day and you're just going to know. And that's how it happened for me. So, um, But you still get itchy. Of course, yeah. I'm a warrior. Of course. I've been a warrior since I've been a youth. Yeah. Like, I've literally been trained to go to war since I've been a kid. That just hit me the other day. I was, I was literally, like, ironing some clothes. Literally. And it just hit me. I was like, you've been a warrior since you've been a youth. So it's not going nowhere. Um, you just try to contain it. You try not to, you know, allow it to take you places you shouldn't be going, like coming back and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I'm content, man. Um, I miss it a lot. I miss it a lot. But... I'm also eager for the new challenges that I have in front of me in business and life and broadcasting and mentoring and stuff like that. So I'm excited, man. I'm happy. Got a couple of more things for you. Just on a different fight, the weekend we saw Anthony Yard taking on one of your old foes in uh, Sergei Kovalev. First yeah. of all, what did you make of the fight? And two, the rumors of him maybe fighting Canelo. Are you, are you interested in that? Well, to the first question, um, the fight turned out just about the way I thought it was going to turn out. Um, Going into the fight, you know, Tunde, the coach of Yard and Yard himself, like, they, they, they didn't know what they truly had. They, they can talk a good game. And once you've been around the game a long time, like, you can kind of see through all of that and kind of get to the, to the nitty-gritty. I knew that they didn't know what they truly had, but I was eager to see. I wasn't, you know, some, some hater or some critic that was just trying to down them. I was just saying, listen, I, I don't think it's going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. And they took exception to that, and that's fine. I get it. Um, fighters and trainers are sensitive. As tough as we are and as, you know, as, as courageous as we are, we're very, very sensitive about our work. So I, I didn't take exception to that. But to Yard's credit, I think he, he did better than I thought he was going to do. Um, he had Kovalev out, and I tweeted this, a punch or two away. Like the referee could have stopped it. I'm not saying he should have, but he could have stopped it at, in that eighth round. Um, but I've seen the muscle mass take out many a men. I haven't seen anybody other than that guy over there, Tim Bradley, overcome having a physique like that and still go the full 12 round. He's the exception, not the rule. But the type of chest that Yard has, the shoulder, like, it's too much math. Same issue with Anthony Joshua. Same issue. And, but all in all, he put on a great performance. I think he showed that he's elite. But he has to make some changes so he doesn't keep getting into these big fights and falling short. And I heard uh, 
the coach Tunde say nothing needs to be changed, that's a red flag for me. Tunde has to if he's if he's going to grow as a professional coach, and if he has Anthony Yard's best interest at heart, he's got to look himself in the mirror. He's got to take that loss and own it, not make excuses, not not gloss over it, not use experience as as an excuse because that wasn't an excuse going into the fight. Matter of fact, they they dismissed that and said, "Oh, we don't need that." So that's the only way he's going to grow as a coach, and that's the only way Yard's going to get better. Um, but Yard has to make those internal changes. And if he can do that, I think he can compete with the elite. If he, if he doesn't change anything, I think he's a guy that can get to that point, but he'll keep falling short. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. We're on location at Lomachenko versus Campbell. It's been fight week all week. It's been extraordinary to be around, and hopefully we are uh, giving you some type of insight as you listen to the show this evening. If you've only just joined us, you can get this on a podcast. Loads of guests, including Vasil Lomachenko on the show. Get it on iTunes, or you can get it via the TalkSport website. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. Let's talk heavyweights. This is unbelievable for us to get nearly... What, two-thirds of the way through the show, and we've not mentioned a heavyweight yet? Uh, well, I think we've mentioned them. We, yeah, we've we, dipped yeah. in, we dipped in, but let's get into some proper we conversation. We might have mentioned Huey Fury and Alexander <laughs> <Yeah>. Povetkin. <laughs> no, uh, but I know what you mean, to but, like go in detail, yeah. But yeah. the one in uh, Saudi Arabia now is 100% on, because for the last couple of weeks we've been having that conversation about, well, is Andy Ruiz in, or is he not in? Because there was chats about more money, um, Safety uh, regulations and various things like that, and now he's and hit, rightly so, Adam. yeah, hundred percent. And now he's taken to his social media to say, "Listen, boys, we're going uh, early December. We're going to be in Saudi. We are getting it on. It is the rematch: Anthony Joshua versus uh, uh, Andy Ruiz, who, by the way, looks like he's been enjoying himself recently, doesn't he? He had his birthday party at the weekend. He had some Rolls Royces knocking about. The boys enjoying himself. I don't think he's hit camp yet. Um, he better he better start training quick look, if he's going to retain these belts. Yeah, for a guy, look for a guy who um, you know, eighteen months ago was uh, having a, a ch- uh, kind of a staying, staying warm fight, a treading water fight, and he earned $30,000 to go into the big time and earn several million fighting Anthony Joshua and be, I understand now, getting probably in the region of um, 9 to 10 million uh, US dollars to fight in the rematch, holding three of the belts, of course, um, but also getting a... Uh, a big share in the Mexican pay-per-view purse. Yeah. That's going to be a big market. Yeah, now, it will. You know, the Mexican TV rights at the least. But um, no, I think, you know, he ought to have enjoyed himself because was that his moment? Was that his moment of fame? Was that his 15 minutes in the spotlight or 21 minutes as it was seven rounds? Um, he's done a lot of great things since. He's put the the Mexican nation in America on the Ma- American and Mexicans, Mexican-Americans anyway. Um, and, and he's enjoyed it. Joshua, Eddie Hearn, this side of the pond, they'll all be hoping that he's enjoyed it so much he's kind of taken his eyes off the three prizes he's holding at the moment that Joshua let him hold in fight week in New York that he will never do again, he told me recently. Um, so, um, you know, it's, uh, there was some very interesting news earlier in the week with um, with Eddie Hearn uh, saying to Anthony Joshua to snap out of it. Did you see that? Um, you know, after Joshua had kind of admitted that he'd grown a, a little bit disillusioned with boxing, um, I thought that was fascinating because he'd said he'd lost a bit of passion for the sport. I don't know whether that's him being genuine. Um, I think 
he may have wished they'd had the Deontay Wilder fight now. Mm. Um, and maybe he's feeling that it's all two fights away now, the big ones. It's mm. two fights mm. away rather than... It's interesting, isn't it? Maybe he's still finding it difficult to take Anthony, uh, Andy Ruiz seriously. And that worries me. Mm. Absolutely it worries because for all of us, um, including obviously more so Anthony Joshua, it's imperative that he gets these belts back in, uh, in December because what we all want to see is those super fights. We're led to believe that in February or April or March or, or some, some time around that time, we're going to see Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder going They've at it They've both got to win, remember. Of That's course. the point. Also Wallin for Tyson Fury. In, uh Listen, you would think that Tyson Fury is going to come through that. It's two weeks away. Next weekend, Tyson Fury's fighting in Las Vegas. Uh, not next weekend, weekend after, should I say, the 14th of September it is. Um, he's fighting Otto Wallen in Las Vegas. You would think he would come through that. And then off the back of that, I mean, Tyson's talking about fighting again in December here in the UK. And then uh, next year, start of next year, to do the, uh, to, to do the Wilder rematch. But Wilder's got to come through against the big Luis Ortiz. It, you know, it's not signed yet. No, it's, it? it's not signed. We haven't got a confirmation on dates or anything like that. We've got lots of dates in working, which is in November time, but none of that's signed up. This heavyweight landscape a year ago, it seemed so straightforward to me because we, had, we were all getting ready for Wilder Fury 1. Wilder Fury 1 was going to play out and they were then going to move on to the Anthony Joshua situation. Obviously, with what's happened this year, it's all kind of got blown up and thrown all over the place a little bit. And you're right in saying that are we one? Are we two fights away from getting back on that track that we were 12 months ago? Well, the, the thing is, the heavyweight, anyone can lose with any punch in boxing. And, and you know, a career, a, um, a sponsorship deal, um, a, global, um, a global star can have their orbit shift, shifted by one punch. And nowhere more so than the heavyweight division. Um, you know, we saw it in June with Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz, and now he's got to get back on the horse as soon as possible and find the same, uh, find, the, find the vim and the vigor to defeat a nemesis who took him apart in, in Madison Square Garden. He did take him apart, and that's the problem. It wasn't just a flash knockout, he took him apart. Um, now, um, the only thing that concerns me with September the 14th in Las Vegas is that yeah, Tyson Fury is supposed to beat Otto Wallin from Sweden like he did um, Tom Schwartz, you know, uh, three months ago in Las Vegas. But let's just pause for a moment and think about the things that could go wrong in this one. Tyson Fury can turn an ankle, dislocate a shoulder. There's so many things that can go mm. wrong. Mm. There's, so many, there's so many tangents that can go in different directions. And when people write Wallin off, he was a good amateur. Um, he's beaten Fraser Clark, who's probably going to be our leading super heavyweight at the Olympic Games for Great Britain in Tokyo in 2020. He boxed uh, Anthony Joshua twice in the amateurs. He lost both those fights, but he had a, a, a very decent record. He's not a big puncher, um, but you never know. And it only takes one punch from these six foot five, 17, 18 stone men to derail a career. My hope is that there is no more delay. In fact, my hope is that they don't end up... Um, well, I want Wallin and Fury to go ahead, but it wouldn't bother me if they hadn't fought. It wouldn't bother me if no, they didn't all. fight. I'm, I'd I'm rather a, see the Wilder a, fight next. I'm of the same thought process of you regarding... Even uh, if they don't have a fight. I'm, I'm, regarding Wilder Ortiz, I'm not bothered about it. You know, Don't get me wrong, the first fight was absolutely tremendous, but I would much rather Fury-Wilder go at it. You know, That's what I want to see. Yeah, but the, but the danger is... 
you know, um, you know, in in a way, um, that as you know, that the, the length of time between losing belts, the negotiation, getting it all back, six months between Joshua and Ruiz fighting, and Joshua is not a an aged fighter who only needs to fight twice a year. That's been the rhythm now for a while. He's still a learning fighter. And so it's a massive gap for him to have that next learning fight, which is what Andy Ruiz is, learning how to win the belts back. Never been through that before. Um, we'll find out what he's made of. Mm. And maybe that's what Eddie Hearn's hinting at this week. Um, Tyson Fury knows how to do it. He's been down on the floor. He's got back up and he's won against Cunningham, against Wilder. He didn't win. It was a draw. But yeah. he knows how to do it. It's in him. We know it's in him. Um, Wilder and Ortiz I, I'm less worried about Wilder losing or, to Ortiz because I think Ortiz has, was really badly hurt by, uh, by Wilder in that, in that fight in Brooklyn it was a terrific atmosphere in there that night he didn't have him Barclay going Center. though didn't he no there's so many heavyweights out there that can outbox Deontay Wilder but when he sets to you yeah and he's shown a massive pair of stones in that fight as well. He showed, because I remember the fight was um, a few months after um, Anthony Joshua showed against Vladimir Klitschko that he had chin, heart, stamina. He could come back from being knocked down and have a second wind and beat an aged but very good champion. Deontay Wilder showed the same thing yeah. against Luis Ortiz. He was almost out on his feet, but he came back really, really powerfully in that fight and showed he really really what he was made of and we didn't know to that point what he really was made of he hadn't been in the trenches hadn't been there under fire under the artillery fire dodging the bullets knowing that he could win under in adversity before that he just sparked everyone out mm. all that that huge knockout run um so it's fascinating but those two ha whatever happens I'm not going to hang my hat up and never do it again, but if those two don't fight early next year, we're lost in the heavyweight division. And then if Joshua wins his belts back, he has to win the winner. He has to fight the winner of those two. It's got to happen next year, these big fights. 2020 must be the year that we get the first knockings of who is the number one in the division. Yeah. The talk has been going on for far too long. And as, too we've long. and as we've seen, so many different things can now happen in order to derail us. Fingers crossed uh, we can get ourselves back on track, let's just say, in, uh, in December. Um, do stick with us because we are going to get stuck into a little bit of uh, Bellator chat and uh, UFC chat over the next, next half an hour or so. Uh, because Gareth's been catching up with James Haskell. Uh, yeah, that's right. The rugby player. He's having a go at mixed martial arts. He's signed up to Bellator. He's going to compete in the heavyweight division. You're going to hear from him next. Get down! This is Fight Night on TalkSport. We don't just do boxing every Saturday night. All aspects of fight sports are covered on this show. Mixed martial arts is another big thing in our arsenal. And over the next half an hour, we're going to be speaking quite a lot about it as we build up towards UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi. Some big Bellator events coming up as well. And it's Bellator where we're going to start right now because you will have seen that former international rugby star James Haskell has signed for Bellator. He's going to be competing in their heavyweight division. Gareth A. Davis went along this week to catch up with him to get the law down. So I'm here with James Haskell, uh, 18 years getting his body battered uh, against the biggest, hardest men on earth. Uh, takes a little stint 
in Ibiza doing a bit of DJing, having retired from rugby. And within weeks, here you are, James. You've decided to become a heavyweight mixed martial artist. What is wrong with you? Yeah, it's exactly what my wife said to me. Um, look, I think the DJ thing for me is obviously my, my, you know, my number one passion kind of real, uh, hobby. I think at the moment, you know, you're in that transitional period where um, you're seen in inverted commas. I don't believe in myself to be a celebrity, but a celebrity DJ. So consistency of work is always a, a thing. But actually, the beauty of going across to do something with Bellator is that you don't have to peak every week. Uh, it's a kind of can be a consistent process of kind of self-development. Uh, I'm able to do the things I want to do outside of, of rugby, but also oh, outside of, of, of fighting. Um, but the interesting thing is actually signing up for Bellator. It's it's given me a structure again, which even though I didn't have it for for two or three months, was kind of quite interesting in terms of you know when I was going to train, where I was going to train, building structure around your life. And actually, I missed the camaraderie. And I missed a little bit of, of fear and testing myself. And I think for me, I've always dabbled in MMA, but I've always gone back to rugby, had other things to think about. Now all I have to remember is, is what my coaches at London Shoot Fighters tell me. and They're telling me a lot and it's very hard and it's going to get harder, but it's very enjoyable too. When, when Bellator and your agent and the matchmakers from Bellator kind of came up with this and presented it to you, how was it presented and how did you take it? Well, so, so uh, a guy called David Green, actually, from, from Bellator, he, he contacted me uh, via my, my agent and we were having a conversation. He, um, you know, I've done some work with him for Bama and presenting and stuff like that. And I... Um, I thought he wanted to meet up about that. I thought he was going to offer me an opportunity to do some more presenting. I'd done a lot of stuff on BT Sport with yourself. Planning about, planning about to get a few new shirts, maybe yeah. a couple of new jackets. Oh, 100%. But then, tailored, yeah. and, then, and then he said, no, actually, we want you to fight. <laughs> I laughed. Uh, and, then, and then he thought, what the hell is he talking about? And then um, obviously called my, my wife up. She didn't laugh. She thought I was an idiot. Um, <laughs> I said, look, I, I thought, do you know what? Something inside me just captured my imagination. I was like, um, actually, I'm, this isn't ridiculous. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do this. So I called up London Shoot Fires. I spoke to Alexis uh, and Paul uh, and Marius, all three of them really, and, and, and had a conversation. Where you've trained for a while. People need to know this. Where you've trained for a while, done jiu-jitsu and boxing yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and had a love of MMA. You and I have always talked about your love of it, actually doing it. Yeah, and I just think it, it, it's always fascinated me. Mm. I think it's... Um, you know, obviously any fighting sport, combat sport, is, requires a level of discipline and skill and dedication. But I think, you know, MMA in the advent of it and how, how prolific it's become now, it's such a multidisciplined sport and you have to be so talented. Plus, you have to, uh, you know, be prepared to put your body on the line. You have to fight someone. You're an individual sportsman, something I've not been familiar with. I've always had 14 other players or, or a squad of you know, 40 players. Now I'm here. You know, I've got my very first own press conference where I'm standing up there and speaking. And so all these things are kind of novelties, but also quite exciting. And shoot fighters, I've been down there since I was 21. Uh, doing bits and pieces, they helped me dramatically with my tackling and, and some of my ball uh, mobility and ball on the ground work. Um, and we always joked about wanting to fight, wanting to fight, and, and they, you know, I think they humoured me sometimes, but once they gave me the nod, I said, I said, lads, listen, is this mad? Do you think you can help me? Can we do this? And they said, absolutely. So, you know, whether I'm any good at the end of it is down to my dedication, down to, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, they, their quality of coaching is right up there, and, and I think there's a little bit of luck, but for me, I was going to do boxing, I was going to do jiu-jitsu, I was going to do wrestling anyway. I've now got myself in a position where I get to compete at the end of it, and, um, I'm very excited about it. When you were playing rugby and you... Because I remember jumping, uh, bump, bumping into yourself and Joe Worsley in Vegas at one of the Mayweather fights and I got you in the media room, if you remember, and you were like, oh, it's great being out here. And it, that, it was then, it must have been 10 years ago when you were both saying that 
um, you, were, you were looking into jiu-jitsu because there were so many great techniques in it that you could use for body position in your positions as um, you know, back row forwards. That it's so, I mean, it is the most important position on the field for body position. So you learnt all that stuff. You've, you've had a love of it. When you were playing rugby and you're watching uh, the fight sports, and I know you're a, a, an avid fan of it, an avid follower, were you thinking while you were a rugby player, Am I a fighter as well as this guy that is prepared to have his head raked over by other people's studs? Um, I'd love to give you a, a really kind of nice media-friendly answer and say I was. I wasn't. I, I think that when I did this stuff, there is always that fear. I think there is, you know, your mind plays tricks on you. If you're a big guy, you know, you think you're, you, you think you're quite tough. I learned early on in my first session at Shoot Fights when a 50-kilo wrestler picked me up. Uh, and disposed of me like I was, uh, uh, you know, dirty nappy, and my mate um, who was even bigger than me. Got... I think you've told me before. I've heard this. You, you've told me before that you got wrapped up like a travel towel. I did, yeah, I did. And I love that description of you, yeah, yeah, six yeah. foot four, two hundred and sixty pounds, yeah. a guy who's a hundred pounds lighter than you, just going bump, bump, yeah. bump, and there you are yeah. as a little package on the ground. Exactly. My mate and my mate Paul Doran. My mate Paul Doran Jones, who was one hundred twenty kgs yeah. at the time. Uh, a prop, yeah. yeah, a prop, and he. Um, he got folded up like a deck chair the guy, and the guy was 50 kilos and it, and it showed us straight away that technique. So from that point onwards, you know, when you bump into people in nightclubs or in the street, or everything, I start, I'm always very humble because... It, it's it that was, little skinny guy in the corner who's just going to lay waste to the bar. That's the problem. <laughs> and that's the thing and that's what I learned early on. So actually, Bisping's not that big because your mates with him, he's not that big, is he? No, no. And he's taken on some very big dudes. But he's, you know, he's tough, uh, I think no. slightly insane and um, <laughs> what, a, what a machine. You know, he's, yeah. you know, you say, how many fights you're like, how is he still standing? Yeah, and he's come back to win, yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, interesting enough him as well, I interviewed him just after he had that eye problem. Yeah. And I think he... Well, under- it was for BT Sport, wasn't yeah, it? And I think he underplayed yeah. that, how bad that was and he still became world champion. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, respect to guys like that. I just think, look, this is, a, this is a journey. This is a test. This is something I'm excited about. I now have decided that I want to be a fighter. It's something that you have to work on. You know, getting everyone has a plan. In the words of Mike Tyson, until you get punched in the face. I think at Shoot Fighters, I'm in a good position where I will be uh, tested through heavy sparring consistently, put in a situation so when I get into the ring or the cage, it will look like I know what I'm doing. So you've had about 50 sparring gym fights before you get in there. That's the plan. So you don't have to have an amateur career. Because in, in a way, um, you're different to Aaron Chalmers, you're different to others. I mean, it's not going to be like Freddie Frintoff becoming a professional boxer, is it? I mean, you can't. surely you're not going to look like that. I just think, look, you know, I've got respect to anyone who gets in, in, inside the, the ring or anything else. I just think a lot of these blokes, you look at them and it looks like the first time they've ever taken a punch. So was that with Frintoff? Yeah, I just think, you know, look, I, I mean, I saw bits and highlights of it, but you've seen other people. I go to, you know, these Boodles charity boxing matches and mm-hmm. these people all train and, and I think... Game plans go out the window. I think, you know, it's about staying calm under pressure. And again, I'm t- only talking hypothetical. I've got no experience. So, you know, for Freddie going in, the, the thing, you've got, to, you've got to respect him 100%. And I would only ever listen to people um, and take criticism of people who have actually done it. I think us arm, you know, armchair people and commentators, you wouldn't. But I just think if I get into that cage and, and, I, and I'm ducking, I'm shying away from punches, especially in MMA, you've got to wear a few sometimes to get yourself into a good position, especially if you're you know, in someone's guard on the floor. You've got to be able to do that because yeah. you've got to set things up. And it's not like boxing or, you know, I'm not going to be like Lomachenko. I'm not, you know, if, I mean, I move like a 220 bust at the best of times. So, so I think it's going to be Titanic interesting. turning around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think it's, it's, for me, you've got to play to your skills. Yeah. Um, 
All I know is I'm prepared to put the work in and I'm dedicated to it and I'm in the best gym possible. I'm with one of the best organisations in the world. You know, what, you know, that's all you can ask for. I can just picture you. You know you're like a rampaging bull on the rugby field, the white cap on, the skull cap. Um, you burrow in, you come out with the ball, you go charging away. You're not a greedy rugby player by any means. I, I mean, I think you're, the, the last five years of your career were, were phenomenal for me. You know, and I've, yeah, well, I've written about you before in rugby as well, and you really matured as a rugby player. You know, the, t- the 2016 tour in Australia, you were just... I mean, you must remember it. You were everywhere. You didn't no, but you, because you used to be the player that would just dip in at the yeah, wrong yeah, time yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. and it's a very difficult position you play in. And you've got that temperament where you, you, you on the rugby field, you would be seen as a fighter. You're a lump. People know they're playing against you mm-hmm. that day. They know Haskell's on the other side. They know that when Haskell comes on for the last 25, oh my God, he's going to go lambasting into everyone. Do you think your fighting style has to be tempered because of that? Because I, you know, I can. I haven't seen you train yet. I haven't seen you in sparring no, sessions. Think, but we don't. We fight like our like our warrior, like no, our character. No, no, because I think I think the thing is that when you fight uh, of what I've seen, just only from from the early bits of training, you know, it's the person that can keep their composure mm. uh, throughout a fight that ultimately wins. It's the person that can think clearly yep. while getting hit in the head, while dealing with it. You know, without trying to be all brute strength and aggression, it doesn't really help you. You know, we're doing. I did two hours of wrestling the other day. Um, and we, you know, we were practicing takedowns and everything else against the cage, whatever it might be. And you know, just being able to sit in someone's position, make them uncomfortable enough for you to stay there. But I was being impatient. You know, I was blowing up because I was, I was trying to use all my strength. So I think that uh, it's about composure, especially under pressure. I can imagine um, because you know, bizarrely, I've, I've, I've been to fight nights with people and obviously watching. I was there with Ricky Hatton, you know, Fort Mayweather or whatever, and. You know, you, I can imagine you have all this build-up. That was then, it with you and Joe. Yeah, it was and Mayweather. And, and then you get, you get, then the guy gets banged out or whatever, and it's a lonely place to be. Yeah. And I think everyone has a plan, but sometimes nerves and stuff can take over. So I think you've got to be have a lot of composure and a lot of calmness, and that takes time. You know, I imagine the first time I do full-on sparring, you know, I start getting punched in the head while trying to do that. While try, it's going to be a pretty horrific place, and it's going to take time and repetition and dedication and listening to your coaches and basically. I'm bottom of the ladder, and all I do is listen to what they tell me to do. You know, I'm I'm at a gym full of people that could absolutely fill me in. It's an interesting experience because in rugby, you know, you've alluded to it yourself. I don't think I'm particularly tough. I played a physical way. That doesn't mean I can handle myself in a fight. That doesn't mean that. Um, it's fascinating that as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But you think, but you, you don't. You know, but I know rugby. So it's players. more of a test for you than anything you've ever done. This probably oh, more more so than anything. I think with the you know with this stuff, especially with um, you know other rugby players. You know, I know guys like Gareth Delve and Trevor Ain and some of these other guys yeah. who actually know proper how to fight boxes, proper yeah. boxers. Yeah. I don't have that background. So there's one thing about being a tough and getting, you know, and there's also a thing about getting, you know, getting outmatched with skill and talent. So I'm excited to see it. And, and it is the scariest and it is the biggest thing I've ever done. Um, finally, you know, obviously in Bellator, we've got people like Jack Swagger, Jack, Jake Hager, who's come over from WWE, was a wrestler, um, Fedor Emelianenko, Frank Mir, Roy Nelson. You know, that's the division you're going into, yeah? yeah. Matt Mitrione, Ryan Bader, yeah. you know? you're going to be ranked probably 25 in the world when you go in there. So you win two or three, you know, you could be headlining somewhere. <laughs> I think my priority is, is, um, is just getting to that first fight, you know, getting, getting into the mix. I think whoever anyone puts in front of me, I've got to be prepared to deal with it. I think that, 
you know, for, for there's a lot of people who, who are getting a bit carried away. You know, do you remember uh, you know Bader's first fight? Do you remember no. um, you know Mike Tyson's first fight? You don't. You, know, you don't no. because it's it's an incremental, progressive process. But we'll all be watching yours. Oh. That's the problem no, for you. Pro- yeah, hundred percent. But listen, if you're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. If if it goes brilliantly, brilliant. If it doesn't go brilliantly, it doesn't. I've still risked it. I've still given it a go. I can still turn around and do an after dinner about how I went on a process and did whatever it is. And there's another chapter in the book. What more do you want? Listen, James. I've always loved you as a sportsman, as a person. I really admire your stones in getting involved in doing this and I'm really looking forward to following you on the journey in complete detail. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Castle, Gareth A. Davis uh, alongside me and the show is near enough done if you've missed any part of it it will be available on a podcast for you uh, iTunes is where you need to be looking for Fight Night and you can also get it on our website TalkSport.com we've had loads of guests on the show including Vasil Lomachenko and Andre Ward yeah you heard me right they've been on the show and you can hear from them on the podcast so make sure you download it uh, we're just currently uh, finishing off uh, tonight's show by uh, looking forward to, uh, to next week because I've got a little bit of a trip to Abu Dhabi coming up for UFC 242 obviously uh, Gareth covers extensively all the Bellator stuff here in the, in the UK and I'll tell you something I watched the, a Bellator card last weekend and uh, I was amazed to see a 14 fight card not one go to the judges every single fight had a finish in there Nick Newell getting a fantastic victory in there fingers crossed he can kick on for those that don't know too much about Nick Newell um, to look at him physically you think how on God's green earth could he compete because he was born with a congenital amputation of his left arm that's right so to look at him you'd, you'd think he's only got one arm but I'll tell you something the boy can fight and last weekend oh. he stuck on a lovely triangle choke to get his victory and there were some fantastic victories in there so if you haven't seen last weekend's Bellator I thoroughly recommend it you can catch on uh, uh, it was on it was on Go back, I think it was on uh, Sky Sports. Yes, that it one. was. Yeah, yeah. It was. You 14, 14 fights, 14 stoppages. All finishes, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. I'll tell you who I also love on that card was um, um, Alejandra Athulara, mm. the Colombian yeah. girl, who's massive into um, ecology. And you know how the, the, the Amazon is, you know, on getting. Fire at yeah, the all of that. Yeah. And brilliant, brilliant, brilliant person. Um, but Nick Newell, by the way, I mean, I've done a lot with Nick over the years and he's hoping that um, if the Paralympics gets uh, to Los likes. Angeles in 2028, no, um, disability wrestling, because disability taekwondo is wow. in Tokyo next year. He's going to compete. Uh, he'd, like to, he'd like to compete, like to be involved in it. There's a lot of, as you can imagine in this day and age, there are a lot of, he was a very, very co- good collegiate wrestler. Um, and... Um, you know, I think he. I think he was. He shared a dorm with one of the guys that's gone on to be in the WWE as well. So he was in his wrestling team at college. So um, no, those kind of characters. He's special, Nick Newell, and he's been around a long yeah. time. Ten years in the sport. He was in Dana White's um, contender series. Didn't quite get through that, but you know, into the into the UFC itself. But he's got a deal with Bellator now. And like you say, great to see him get a victory. Um, but it's it, it's it's a very strong time for. Um, for both the UFC growing and the Bellator growing at the moment. I well, think Bellator have committed, haven't they, to the UK? Well, this is great for UK fight fans because, yeah, okay, the UFC come here once, twice a year. 
but Bellator have committed to these European shows, so therefore we're going to get to see a lot. I mean, we, you've just been speaking to J- James Haskell, for example. Yes, it's going to be tough for him. Of course it is, because he's a rugby player coming into this, but he seems to be a tough guy. He's been rolling for a long, long period of time, and he will no doubt get opportunities because of that commitment from Bellator to this market. Yeah, I mean, but let's be honest about this. Um, um, I spoke to Scott Coker, the president of Bellator, about Haskell. Obviously, we heard me speaking to him then earlier in the week at Viacom in Camden Town. But the thing is, they believe, I think Coker's words were, you know, we've seen the dog in him. And you do see the dog yeah. in him when he's playing rugby. But until he gets hit in the face by another 260-pound man. A professional fighter. Exactly. Yeah, we yeah. really won't know, Adam. Yeah, that's and, correct. And... and I think he's got his work cut out at 34. Remember when Brock came over to the UFC and, you know, he, he was straight in the top of the food chain. Um, and the UFC heavyweight division had four or five killers at the top of the heavyweight division at the time. And he had to go and fight them all. And, you know, think about those battles with Frank Mir. And there's so many ways to lose in MMA that that's what's fascinating about Haskell. I don't know what you think, but, you know, you can be the biggest guy in the world, you be incredibly tough, but we don't know until he actually starts fighting with his fists whether he's going to get the job done or not, or whether he'll be able to react in the right way. Yeah. What's your gut feeling? Um, my gut feeling is, because of his, his background in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he's been using quite a lot of it, hasn't he, for his rugby training. He'll, go, he'll take it straight to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just going to shoot straight away, isn't he, and try and get people on the deck. But, but I did laugh at him, because he said he was, he, he'd, he'd gone wrestling with a guy like, you know, it was like it weighed 60 kilos and he said and he folded him up like a deck chair yeah he said I, I thought oh, look at that little bloke I'm going to go in there he went into the cage um, and he literally got folded he said that was, that was expression he said he, he rolled me up like a, uh, like a like a travel towel he said <laughs> Fo- folded me up like a deck chair I mean and you can picture it and, it, and he said from that you know um that's why I'm really respectful to, to little wiry guys in the bar because you just don't know <laughs> you don't you know um it is an exciting time for mixed martial arts, as you were just pointing out, because um, from British, from a British point of view in the UFC, Darren Till's just had his uh, his next fight announced, which is going to be... Kelvin Gastelum, no? Kelvin Gastelum. In middleweight. The, in the middleweight division. Yeah, I think that's good. New York, uh, UFC 244. It's a really good matchup. Two lefties. Blooming dangerous, though, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. Kelvin Gastelum just come off the back of a, a world title eliminator against uh, Israel Adesanya. What and a he pushed fight him. that was. It was. He pushed him. And uh, Till's coming off the back of a knockout loss to Jorge Masvidal in the welterweight division. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Till reacts. The best thing about it it's very high profile it's the main event i assume yeah um dana white's totally behind it the president of the ufc and very excited about it um i think it's a terrific matchup actually because they both like to, to strike mm. kelvin doesn't really like to go for the takedowns look at that five round 25 minute war between kelvin gastelum and israel adesanya kelvin didn't win that to go on and, and fight for the you know the, the full middleweight yeah, title because yeah. it was an interim wasn't that's it? correct yeah but his stock really rose from it, as did Israel's, of course. I think it's a brilliant matchup. I think it's great matchmaking. What do you make of everything that's happening in Abu Dhabi uh, this week? Because obviously, we've seen Connor apologise for his uh, recent antics, and rightfully so. There's got to be some type of uh, PR exercise now to uh, protect or to try and change people's minds now with Connor, because a lot of people are losing their patience with him, fans-wise, yeah. that is. The guy that obviously beat him last in the octagon, Habib, is fighting this weekend. He's defending his lightweight crown against Dustin Poirier. It's a great matchup. Well, uh, Poirier's on the top form of his life, isn't Absolutely. He? So, yeah, and he's going to need diamond. to be on the top form of his life, the diamond, this uh, this weekend coming, uh, if he's going to topple Habib. You would think 
Tony Ferguson might be next in line for a shot at that belt. There's a couple of other guys that are coming through at the uh, 155 pounds. Where does Connor sit for you in that division? And can he get back to those type of levels that no, he achieved previously? N- not in my view. No, I think I think the marquee fights are the ones where I don't really. It was such a distasteful build-up to from all the way from the metal dolly being thrown in the into the bus mm. in New York with the bus containing Khabib Nurmagomedov and some of the other fighters, all the way to Conor McGregor's been brilliant all the way through his career. I mean, you know, as you know, I mean, I would was very close in terms of working with, in the media with him, doing documentaries on him, different things for BT Sport and other people, and you know, even interviewing him after his fights, his very first UFC fight in Sweden. I got to do his post-fight interview with him uh, for, the, for the broadcast. And he, he's changed. Um, whether we like it or not, he's changed. But he's a very wealthy man. He's very successful. But the whole build-up to the Khabib fight with the mocking of the religion, the country, the wife, mm. the it was... It, it, he got his PR wrong for me, and that's why there was that reaction and the, you know, the the the, the, the brawl afterwards between the teams. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very unsavory. I was very upset with it by the time, my, at the time, you know, my stomach was turning during that. I I don't like um, the I've smack a, talk, but then there's no, a line. No, I don't mind the smack talk. There's a line, I, but there is a line. But but when 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 a fight event gets to the point where unless it's quelled people are going to die in the arena because there's going to be an all-out scrap I mean I've been in, in a few of them um, and, and, and it's I, I wasn't terrified but it's a terrifying experience for so many people mm. and, and it's the way it's picked up on in the media afterwards if that had been boxing you know and it was um, you know um, Anthony Joshua jumping but, over or the or even Bo Galotta that, all these kind of things that cause terrible storms afterwards in the media it goes around the world um, it it denigrates the sport is Connor really sorry I hope he is is he looking for uh, redemption redemption retribution, all, all those it, things yeah. I hope so but for me there's two fights out there for him um, I think Nate Diaz trilogy, yeah, because uh, I think that's the biggest fight in the world in, in MMA. Frankly, it's really the, probably the biggest fight, money-wise, um, and and you know, um, and I think Masvidal and Diaz is yeah. a big Jorge Masvidal and Diaz is a big fight as well. You know, West versus East Coast gangsters, you know, or, or that's the, the subvert culture, the beautiful subvert culture is what I mean that we love, yeah, because they're such characters, they're so honest, they're so from you know, the projects and, you know, but so honest about who they are and what they're doing. And, you know, um, I think Connor against those two as well, because like, he's from a similar background in a weird way in Ireland, you know, from Crumlin and so on. What were we going to say? No, I was going to say, so for you, he can't regain the levels that he had previously where he was the I champ. I don't think the belt matters. I think it's just, it's just the matchups to get him back. I can't see him fighting for ages either. Do you think but you definitely saw... Um, his his you know on ESPN half an hour interview with Ariel Helwan who he's close to the twinkle in his eye you're going to talk about now aren't you yeah the, yeah but the twinkle in his eye but also that it was the three year anniversary of the fight with Nate Diaz and he's watching it and thinking am I just missing out you know he's watching his kids grow up and mm. no one likes to miss out we've all got egos for things we want to get involved in and you know. It's gonna, he's going to get that hunger back, mm. but it's when and how and who with that's key. Uh, well, make sure you tune in uh, to TalkSport throughout the course uh, of next week because I'm going to be in Abu Dhabi. We're going to be uh, talking, obviously, Habib 
versus uh, Dustin Poirier. Should be a cracker for the lightweight championship. You just want to finish up on something, Bellator, do you? Yeah, well, obviously, at the same on the same night in uh, in San Jose, you've got Ryan Bader, who's mm. the Bellator light heavyweight and heavyweight champion, facing Czech Congo, wow. who's 10-1 and one in old his school. last 11. Yeah, exactly, old school. Bader, of course, has come up from light heavyweight and has, and has won the heavyweight tournament in Bellator. And they've got a brilliant 16-man featherweight tournament beginning um, with Pitbull. Patricio Pitbull is the champion at the moment, of course. But the likes of AJ McKee, Taiwan Claxton, Emmanuel Sanchez, Pedro Carvalho from mm. the SBG gym. It's a really great tournament. So you've got this main card of that fight and then all these four featherweight fights all on the same card you know as i'm saying we're spoilt for choice at the moment if it's not mma one weekend it's big boxing if you aren't an mma fan and you are just a boxing fan just tune in to some of these events because it's really worth it of course the ufc events on bt sport the uh, the bellator events on sky, on sky. um you know the, the events in in the uk are live on channel five you only have to press the record button you know yeah yeah Give it, a look, look. give it a look-see, I say. <laughs> give it a look-see. That's proper Welsh. That's how we finish the show off. Um, thank you very much once again, Gareth, for your company. Thank you very much uh, for listening to us. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. If you've missed any part of it, which featured Vasil Lomachenko right at the start, uh, please download the podcast. We will be back next week. This has been Fight Night on TalkSport. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.